Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered in multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old Monday week three in the NFL is basically over. We still have the Monday night game tonight, which is going to be great. So we'll uh, make our prediction for that game tonight. Eagles at Cowboys going to be a great one whenever we can see Dak Prescott always a great night and uh, you know Jalen Hurts coming in this league and we're big believers in the man and what this Eagles team can potentially do definitely looking like at least the second best team in that uh, NFC East division the Giants are so trash and we are 100% off of this Giants team I don't want to hear about slow starts anymore I mean we gotta start getting wins here and this Giants team is just refusing to get wins so we'll break down that game that Giants Falcons game when we get to it but man oh man Giants 100% off of everybody on that team and I might even be off of Saquon Barkley I don't want to be but I'm getting close folks I am reaching my patience level with this Giants team uh, but yeah, Eagles-Cowboys going to be a great uh, game tonight. We'll break down that game a little bit and see what the spread is. Uh, still, if it's th minus three and a half, we'll probably swallow the points there with the Cowboys. But we'll talk about that game a little bit later in the show. Uh, but yeah, week three basically is over. All the main matchups are gone. Like we said, only one more game left. So that's what we're doing today on the show. Breaking down all the games from yesterday. What the heck happened during a huge record-setting, record-breaking day of games. Watch all the kickers and we even have a new longest field goal in NFL history, folks. How crazy is that? So a lot to get through, a lot to talk about. So let's start here. Well, let's start here. Um, Wednesday film study, folks. Yes, sir. Game Pass is finally fixed, folks. Look at this glory. Look at this beauty. You can just hit every single individual play, and it will instantly play it for you. And then you can take it in the coach's film from the sideline, the All-22. Look at this All-22 right here. Ooh, folks, folks. It's finally fixed, and our Wednesday film study is going to get even better. It was already great before folks but now it's gonna be even better since we get different angles oh boy was once things are open was it on the quarterback was it on the receiver was it the quarterback that just didn't see it we get it all now folks so i can't wait till wednesday folks all 22 coaches film is finally on game pass and uh man oh man i don't have to scroll through three and a half hours to find the one play and then click out of it and a new tab and find it all again. And then do that for all the plays that we watch. I mean, folks, we watch like 30 plus plays every single uh, film study. So this is just going to make it so much more better. So, man, oh, man, gear up. First official true Wednesday film study kicks off this week with the all 22 coaches film oh my goodness cannot wait um i logged on to game pass this morning hoping and praying and to my surprise it's up there now so watch out watch out folks for wednesday's film study it's gonna be great 
All right, now let's get into all the games from yesterday. So the first one up to go over is the Colts and the Titans, and this one kind of went the way we expected it. We weren't really expecting Carson Wentz to play, but he ended up playing, and he didn't get injured, but he still didn't do anything, and this is why we are truly off of this Colts team, especially right now when they don't have T.Y. Hilton, and we'll have to kind of, you know, revisit the Colts and Carson Wentz when T.Y. Hilton officially comes back, which I believe could potentially be can it be potentially be this week I think it could be potentially next week uh, T.Y. Hilton out for a couple weeks I believe they officially put him on IR so he has to miss three to four weeks so we'll see if he's gonna go next week or if he has to wait till kind of week five but man oh man this Colts team they just cannot do anything Carson Wentz 19 of 37 for 194 yards I mean geez we know that this Colts team doesn't have like amazing wide receivers we like them we believe that all these pieces can be really really solid and really really serviceable we are big on Michael Pittman Jr. Zach Poshko Mo Alley Cops Mo Alley Cox and Jack Doyle they've got you know good wide receivers and good tight ends but I mean Carson Wentz is not making the most of all these weapons and Carson Wentz in our mind coming into the season was kind of one of these leader tier quarterbacks that can kind of help you win a Super Bowl and be a positive asset and can kind of, you know, raise up tier two wide receivers into tier one so your passing game can be more elite. But man, oh man, after these first couple of games, not putting up that many points, really not being competitive in the game and not really moving down the ball. We're going to look at these drives in a second here, but the Colts only put up points because Ryan Tannehill made mistakes. And when Ryan Tannehill cleaned up those mistakes, you know, later in the game, the Colts didn't put up any points. So they took advantage of shorter fields, but they couldn't do anything like from their own 25-yard line and, you know, marching down and putting up any points. So Carson Wentz just doesn't have it in this offense just quite yet. And I'm not waiting around and finding out and waiting till this team becomes good because I just saw the Rams absolutely kind of obliterate that Bucks team offensively and defensively. And we've already kind of changed our prediction going into this week or at the end of last week when Carson Wentz went down. We officially changed our prediction for Colts winning the Super Bowl to Rams winning the the Super Bowl and we're glad that we did because they just beat the Bucks and I'm glad that we still have the Rams number one in our power rankings you know a lot of, you know, the experts in the national sports media had the Chiefs at number one. How'd that go? They lost to the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes fumbling the ball, throwing interceptions, womp, womp, losing the game at home, womp, womp. Uh, some people had them as their number one teams. And then some people had the Bucks as their number one team. And how did that work out? Womp, womp. Tom Brady loses by double digits on the road to Matthew Stafford. Womp, womp. But we over here, we had the Rams number one. Yes, sir, they win. No problem. We have the Cardinals at number two. Yes, sir. They get down big. They get down bad. And what happens? They stick the course and they win the game. Yes, sir. That's what we're talking about. And that's why we had the Cardinals as the number two team still after last week. A close win that they really shouldn't have won. The uh, Vikings just missed that field goal. But still, they were down in that game in the resilience. That's why we stayed with the Cardinals at number two. And they just did it again. Winning close games and figuring out how to win close games when you're down early 
in the season is a huge green flag moving on. They know how to win now in those close games, those close circumstances, game scenario type games. They know and can navigate those to win. That's more impressive than the Bucks blowing out the Falcons and then the Falcons going up and putting up 17 points against the Giants the next week. That's not a big win there for the Bucks. It's a good win. If you're a fan, yeah, you celebrate that win all day and tomorrow and going into the week. Oh my God, did you see what we did to the Falcons? We lit them up. It's a good win, but that Cardinals win last week against the Vikings close, navigating the course to win that game. It was better It was better to us than that Bucks game, and that's why we had them at number two. And guess who wins this week? Down, found a way to navigate that Jaguars team to win the game. Bucks, they got down. They got down kind of big. And they didn't know how to navigate it. Tom Brady couldn't come back and navigate it. Unfortunate, they lose. So, you know, folks, folks, we kind of know what we're talking about over here. Rams number one, Cardinals number two. And we'll see if that sticks coming up tomorrow when we do our power rankings again. But got to give it to us, folks. But back to this game. Here we go. Carson Wentz, 19 of 37, 51% completion percentage, folks. When have we ever liked that? We never like anything below 60, and it's really got to be 63. So Carson Wentz not even doing his job out here, 194 yards just on the brink of dink and dunk, no touchdown, no interception, not doing anything. They didn't even lose a turnover in this game. They did not turn over the ball in this game, and the Titans did three times and the Titans win the game. This is what we're talking about with this Colts team. I can't trust Carson Wentz to stay healthy, and I can't trust Carson Wentz with these kind of Tier 2 wide receivers here to elevate them up to Tier 1 status. We'll see what happens when T.Y. Hilton gets back, but by then it may be too late because now the Colts are down 0-3 to start the season, and it's only going to get tougher, and it's only going to get harder, and you're going to have to start winning games, and they haven't even you know got their first one of the season yet. So really, really not impressed with his Colts team so far their first two drives you know three and out then four and out and then this is what we're saying here they only score the ball because Ryan Tannehill throws in interception they take advantage they started throwing 47 yard line and they're able to march down 53 yards for the touchdown to make it a 7-7 game Ryan Tannehill comes back makes it 14-7 and then Ryan Tannehill throws another interception this time Carson Wentz can't even get it done in the red zone um or no, 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 never mind. Uh, they start at their own 47-yard line, or the Titans' 47-yard line, and they score a field goal. They put up three points. After halftime, they put up another three points right here. Is this time they couldn't get it done in the red zone? Yeah, this is the time they couldn't get it done in the red zone. First drive for the Colts after halftime. Carson Wentz, first and goal from the nine, incomplete. Carson Wentz, second and goal from the nine, incomplete. Carson Wentz, third and goal from the nine, incomplete. So we're definitely going to take a, a deeper look at this kind of drive and why it stalled in our Wednesday film study show. But still, Carson Wentz, you need to find a way to get it done in the red zone. Settling for field goals is not going to get it done. Obviously, you're 0-3. You've got to make touchdowns. You've got to put up the seven every single time that you're in that red zone. And Carson Wentz doesn't do that. And then uh, the Titans fumble the ball. Now, the Colts don't do anything with that, and that was their downfall. They had to really take advantage of every single turnover, and we're talking about three turnovers here by the Titans, and they don't take advantage of every single one, and they don't take advantage of you know most of them with touchdowns. Cannot have that. So Ryan Tannehill then goes down and scores another touchdown, making it 22-13. Carson Wentz back in the red zone, can't get it done, and they have to settle for a field goal. 
Carson Wentz, first and goal from the seven, passing complete, first and, uh, second and goal from the seven, two-yard run, third, Carson Wentz, third and goal from the five, incomplete pass, they have to settle for a field goal, and then the Titans go down and put up a field goal themselves, making it a two-score game, and then it's over at that point. There is not enough time to come back. So Carson Wentz needs to get better, needs T.Y. Hilton back as soon as possible, and they need to start scoring in the red zone. And until they do that and can do that consistently, I don't care if they do that for one game and they blow out a garbage team and they you know put up 50 points and Carson Wentz threw seven touchdowns and no interception and threw 100% completion percentage for 457 yards. I wouldn't even care about that for one game now that you're 0-3 and I've seen consistency not greatness here for this Colts team they've got to prove that they can be consistently good and until they do that we're not rebuying this Colts team we are very very close to a I'll say it right now I'm 100% off on this Colts team we're done with this Colts team we're done with Carson Wentz they're not getting it done no urgency here they're not you know they're not I know it's a tough schedule and this is why it's so hard to really be 100% out on this Colts team because it was a kind of brutal schedule to open up this season, and I get it, but still, at the end of the day, we just had the Rams beat the Bucks. I mean, you can beat good teams in this league. You can beat the defending Super Bowl champions in this league. They have proven it is possible. So, until the Colts start beating some good teams, 100% off on them. But let's finish uh, off uh, everybody else on these stats. Jonathan Taylor, 10 carries for 64 yards. uh, Naheem Hines, 6 carries for 25 yards and a touchdown. Uh, No Marlon Mack in this game. We talked about it. All right, and then the leading receiver is Michael Pittman Jr., leading receiver here, six uh, six receptions for 68 yards, but he had 12 targets. I mean, what are we doing here, Carson Wentz? Michael Pittman is a nice, solid 6'3", six, 6'4", six, in this league. Throw this man accurately the ball, and we have two, six incompletions here, so we're going to look at those as well in our Wednesday film study. Were those on Carson Wentz inaccuracy, or was that a Michael Pittman Jr. not catching the ball? We'll come back at you um, Wednesday on our film study to look all that through. All right, Nehem Hines, five receptions for 54 yards. He was the second leading receiver here. Got to give the man credit. We love Nehem Hines. Give that man some credit. Zach Poshkel, third leading receiver here, two carries for 31 yards. Then we have Mo Cox, two carry or two receptions for 14 yards. So just have to be a little bit better here for this Colts team. Now the Titans, man, oh man, Ryan Tannehill, not a great game here, not an above average average game manager type game. He has two interceptions, and then we have one of their wide receivers, Nick Westbrook, uh, Akeen, losing a fumble as well. Three turnovers, like we said, but they still win the game, and they still put up 25 points, and the Colts only put up 16 points off of three turnovers. How do y'all do that? Come on. You must make your opposing team pay for their turnovers. Did you not just watch the uh, um, Green Bay Packers 49ers game from last night? Jimmy G fumbles the ball, and that's basically why they lose the game. So you cannot turn over the ball, and you must make your opponent opponent pay for turning over the ball and the Colts didn't do that and that's why they lost the game so Carson Wentz division opponent on the road and you make Ryan Tannehill throw two interceptions and still win the game what are you doing out there so man oh man real bad game here for the Colts we took this game Titans minus five and a half they went by nine folks bingo bango that's what we were saying all right so Ryan Tannehill not a great day by him but he gets the win so we got to give the man a little bit of credit um, 18 of 27. What do we got there? 66% completion percentage. We'll take it. 197 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. We hate the interceptions, but everything else is solid there. 
Derrick Henry still getting on board here. Back-to-back -back real solid performances right out here, and we absolutely love it. 28. <laughs> I love that. I love talking about Derrick Henry, folks. I love seeing him at 28 carries. Since this is the first game we've talked about today, we'll definitely keep track of, you know, which running back had the most carries because we rarely see running backs getting 28 carries, but that's on the daily. That's on the weekly. That's on the gamely here for Derrick Henry. He's like, okay, you, you want me to carry the ball 35 times? Yeah, okay. That's nothing new to me. Yeah, D Dalvin Cook, you're surprised by 35 carries? <laughs> uh, Saquon Barkley, you're surprised by 35 carries? <laughs> I do this on the regular here, folks. What y'all talking about? 28 carries here for Derrick Henry. 113 yards. Workhorse running back. We absolutely love it, folks. Absolutely love it. 27 passes, 28 runs. That's what we're talking about. Well-balanced game. Well done. This is what we're talking about. And this is truly what we need to see by a lot of teams because I just saw quarterbacks throw it 58 times, 51 times. I'm like, what are y'all doing? You, you don't need to do that, especially with young quarterbacks. Why y'all making the young quarterbacks throw the ball 58 times? What y'all doing? Uh, so Derrick Henry, rushing the ball 28 times. Absolutely love it. <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill, five carries for 56 yards. Yes, sir. That dual threat ability by Ryan Tannehill, you must respect it. All right, let's see who Ryan Tannehill was slinging the ball to. Leading wide receiver Nick Westbrook, Akeen, four receptions for 53 yards. He had a touchdown, but he also had that fumble there. Uh, let's see where this fumble came. It came in the third quarter, and they were only up by one point. So this could have been a tie-turning turnover by, uh, you know, Nick uh, Nick Westbrook, Akeen. But luckily, the Colts don't take advantage of it. So a little bit of a bailout there by Nick uh, Nick Westbrook. Second leading receiver here for the Titans, Julio Jones, three receptions for 47 yards. Derrick Henry, three receptions, 31 yards. Jeff Swaim, three receptions, 27 yards. So truly spreading around the ball. Um, no A.J. Brown really in this game. I believe he left early, so he didn't have that number one weapon. And then Julio Jones, I believe, kind of got you know messed up in this game. I don't know if he ended up returning, but knocked out for a couple of plays. So he made it do. He made it work, and they get the win. Well done by the Titans. They win. 25 to 16. And then after the game, Darius Leonard on the Colts 0-3 start. He says, this shit sucks. This is a sick taste in my mouth, and it is truly unfortunate, man. Like we said, a tough start here schedule-wise, opponent-wise for this Colts team. And man, oh, man, they start 0-3. Definitely not what you want to see when you have Carson Wentz coming into the season, which a lot of people, including ourselves, this entire offseason was really saying that this was the year for the Colts to get it done. They had the kind of plug-and-play quarterback last season with Phillip Rivers got them to the uh, playoffs first round against the Bills unfortunately lose it but you would say that Carson Wentz could at least get you to that same point if not better we really thought better than you know first round exit but so far 0-3 not a good uh, not a good start here so the full quote here by Darius Leonard quote this shit sucks this shit sucks especially being a true fucking competitor this is a sick taste in my mouth you talk about 1-0 1-0 but damn we gotta get one and oh so you know true competitors out here they don't like losing obviously you know so we'll see what Darius Leonard can do to kind of be a leader try to turn the ship around before it gets too much off course let's quickly see what 
next week holds for this Colts team? Can we expect a win or is it another tough opponent? Are they going four straight tough opponents here? So next week, the Colts, they've got the Dolphins in Miami. A little bit of an easier game without Tua in this Miami offense. Drew Lee doesn't even know what the heck they're doing. And we're going to talk about that. But defensive head coaches, that's why I'm not a big fan of having defensive-minded head coaches because the offense struggles so mightily for the most part. I know there's always exceptions to the rule, a la Bill Belichick. I get it, folks. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they're always the exception to the rule. So whenever I say something and you're like, well, but Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, stop it. Stop it right there. They are the exception to every single rule. I don't want to hear that argument. So we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the game. But Darius Leonard, we'll see if he can kind of help turn this team around. Great defensive leader. We know he is. So we'll see what comes next week. But uh, Colts down 0-3, not the greatest. Alrighty, next game up here, and do we even need to talk about this game? I don't even want to talk about this game. This game was not even a thought in my mind after the first quarter when I saw the score 3-0. I was like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what I didn't want to see. I wasn't expecting it. I really thought this was going to be going to be the Giants kind of coming out party this season. Hey, we're actually a team here. Y'all have forgotten about the G-Men? Well, we thought they were about to drop like 40-plus points on this Falcons team. The offense was going to look good, and Daniel Jones was going to kind of come out and be like, hey, I'm actually a great quarterback y'all ready and Saquon Barkley was like y'all were doubting me and then we got 14 points two field goals and a touchdown for the entire game by the Giants and they lose at home against another garbage team the Atlanta Falcons so a hundred percent we're a hundred percent off the Colts team three weeks into the season and now we are a hundred percent off the Giants team I don't even care anymore I am this close of taking down the um the canvas of Saquon Barkley's beefy leg. I don't want to. I truly don't. But I'm very, very close of just getting this canvas out of our studio. Uh, 0-3 start. Man, oh, man. Giants, come on. Come on. You've got pieces on pieces on pieces offensively here. But you're not moving the ball. Maybe we gave too much credit for Jason Garrett. And I know we're like the only person that kind of tried to buy into Jason Garrett here as the offensive coordinator here for the Giants. And uh, it's seeming like that we... We are looking like clowns by doing that. Everybody else... <clears throat> obviously is off of Jason Garrett at, you know since he was the head coach for the Cowboys but we were trying to believe and find some glimmers of hope and see that maybe he could be a good offensive coordinator scheme up some plays here but they've got too much talent and Jason Garrett is truly truly floundering so maybe Jason Garrett's the wrong answer here but something's got to give whether it's Joe Judge a special teams minded head coach we just said we don't like defense minded head coach what do you think we're going to be saying about special teams minded head coaches and that we've got Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. So something's got to change because too many great pieces here offensively to not put up any points and to not be competitive in these games. So let's start here with the Giants. Daniel Jones goes 24 of 35, which I believe is good completion percentage. Let's get the exact number up here. 24, 24 of 35, 68% completion percentage. We love it. 266 yards, real solid. No touchdowns, bang. no interceptions. That's good, but everything else not only putting up 14 points so it's not even good stats here so Daniel Jones doesn't even get it really truly done. Uh, Saquon Barkley, 16 carries for only 51 yards. He had a touchdown. We'll give him that. It was from like the one-yard line. Um, but, you know, Saquon Barkley not being that kind of explosive. Hey, let, you know, let me kind of be Derrick Henry-esque and, you know, run for 130 yards every single game. No problem. And put the team on my back. They can't do that with him. Daniel Jones runs eight times for 39 yards. We know he's a dual-threat quarterback, so that's fine right there.
We see the drives right here. They scored a field goal on their first drive. Real good. Scripted plays. 11 plays. First drive of the game. 11 plays. 83 yards. Chewed up five minutes on the clock. Why did this drive stall? We get Daniel Jones. First and goal from the eight. Pass incomplete. Second and goal from the eight. An 11-yard sack. And then third and goal from the 19. They have a uh, Daniel Jones run. Scramble. And then they have to kick a field goal. So stalling in the red zone. We'll watch this on Wednesday. But then after that, we get a four and out. And then another drive right here. 15 plays, 78 yards. And once again, stalling in the red zone. Let's see why right here. First and 10 from Atlanta. 17, run for no gain. Second and 21. Oh my God, they fumble. That's why Daniel Jones fumbles the ball and then it makes it to second and 21, four yard pass. Third and 17 from Atlanta's 24, five yard penalty. Third and 22 from Atlanta's 29 yard line, 16 yard pass to get them into nice field goal range and they have to kick a field goal. Then the next drive, three and out. Next drive, fumble. So man, oh man, Daniel Jones, he didn't throw an interception, but he fumbled twice. Didn't lose any. Evan Ingram finally playing in a game and you fumble the ball. What is up with all these tight ends fumbling? We you guys got Logan Thomas, the tight end for the uh, Washington football team. He fumbles. He's going to get an F- in tomorrow's segment where we grade all the tight end university participants. Evan Ingram, he fumbled as well, uh, losing the ball. He'll get an F in his first game here. So what the hell was going on with the tight ends from last night? Get it together, folks. Jeez. So all these turnovers really hurting them. All these misplays in the red zone truly hurting them. They were knocking on the door, just could not put up any points. And they go into halftime uh, down 7-6. First drive out of halftime, seven plays, 29 yards, it stalls. Second drive, six plays, 22 yards, and it stalls. And then they finally get a 10-play, 64-yard touchdown uh, drive. And then their last drive, trying to do something, trying to put some points on the board. Tie game, 14-14, four minutes left, and they can't do anything. And then the Falcons, Matt Ryan, the nice veteran quarterback he is, you know, he has some nice spurts here and there. That's why he's still a starter here in this league. His full body of work truly proves that he's not really starting caliber in this league anymore it's unfortunate but he can pull out some nice close wins here and there that kind of you know makes everybody forget about what Matt Ryan truly is as a quarterback and then he just keeps floating through the system and then you know four weeks from now when you say the name Matt Ryan they're like no he's actually a good quarterback look you know he's winning some games he's moving the ball serviceably but when you watch him every single week and talk about him in depth every single week is truly nothing great here uh, but before we get to him <clears throat> let's finish off this Giants team so, the leading receivers, Daniel Jones was throwing to Kenny Galladay, four receptions, 64 yards. Colin Johnson, five receptions, 51 yards. Saquon Barkley, six receptions, 43 yards. And then C.J. Board, one reception, 39 yards. Evan Ingram, two receptions, 21 yards. Sterling Shepard, two receptions, 16 yards. Kadarius Toney, two receptions, 16 yards. So, once we, like we said, the problem here with this Giants team is not lack of weapons. We just saw Daniel Jones spreading the wealth between basically every one of his kind of pass catchers out there besides Darius Slayton he only had one catch and one target unfortunately for eight yards but they've just got to move the ball more consistently. They're going on long drives here, just barely picking up the first downs, barely picking up enough yards for the first down. No really big plays right, right here. And once, you know, that's kind of the problem with long drives. They show that you can sustain drives, so that's good. But they also show that, you know, you know, one mistake and everything comes crumbling down on those long 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 play drives. We've seen it here by the Giants. And, you know, it results in the losses here. So Giants have to kind of expedite their offense a little bit. 
And we'll see if uh, Jason Garrett is up to the challenge of trying to figure out how to do that. But uh, Giants, man, another bad start here to the season, 0-3. And this uh, NFC East... It's not kind of truly competitive right now. Washington's not really being as good as we really thought they were or would kind of be. Um, the Eagles are a little bit better. Giant or Cowboys are looking really, really solid. So the Giants still have the ability to kind of catch up to the Cowboys and the Eagles, but they got to start winning games. And let's see who their opponent is for next week. Is it an easy game or are uh, they got to go on the road against the Saints? So we'll see how they do there. But this Giants team, man, nothing great so far. I would say truly trash. Do I dare declare them truly trash? Truly trash. Giants are truly trash. There it is, folks. The designation is there. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Falcons. Matt Ryan, 27 of 36. Once again, real solid. Pretty good. I would probably say that's 68% completion percentage as well, like Daniel Jones had. Uh, 37 of 27 of 36, that's 75% completion percentage. Even better. 243 yards, a little bit of dink and dunk there for 27 completions. But he had two touchdowns, no picks. They didn't turn over the ball here. No, Matt Ryan did fumble. He did fumble once. Let's see what that fumble resulted into. So it results into end of half. Uh, he fumbled the ball with 14 seconds left, but they were at their 35-yard line, the Giants' 35-yard line. So they had an opportunity to get some more points out of halftime, but Matt Ryan flounders a little bit there, but he steps up in the clutch. So that's basically the best thing, <clears throat> the best thing that Matt Ryan did all day in the fourth quarter. Down 14-7, he leads them on a 15-play, 67-yard, 8-minute, 40-second drive that ties up the game, and then he leads them on a 7-play, 58-yard field goal drive to win the game with only a minute 50 seconds left in the game. So Matt Ryan gets it done in the clutch. We'll give him credit for that. But between the 20s, the 20s to the 20s in the regular time, you know, not in the fourth quarter, not two-minute drives, anything like that, the man flounders big time. So we still can't buy Matt Ryan for beating the Giants by three and stepping up a little bit in the clutch. This is still overall not great play here by the Falcons and Matt Ryan. Now, they did get their first win underneath their belt. So next week, is truly going to be a nice kind of guide to truly see can we start are they kind of in the middle of the pack team or are they trash it's going to be one of those two and we'll know more a little bit more next week they finally got their first win so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt heading into next week a little bit but still no real believability buyability betability uh, but we'll give we'll get more information next week to truly see if this Falcons team wants to try to turn their season around and want to be competitive we'll know a little bit more next week where they're at home against Washington that's a definite winnable game right there and they need to take advantage we'll see if they do but Matt Ryan, a decent, serviceable game. It gets the win. We give him a little bit of credit. Mike Davis, 12 carries, 50 yards. Real solid performance. And Mike Davis has been real solid here. Nothing great, nothing bad, just real serviceable. And that's kind of what we know Mike Davis to be with Carolina last year. Nothing great, nothing bad, just serviceable. And he's doing the same thing here. We don't really want serviceable. We want greatness. So we would like to see Mike Davis try to get it going a little bit more. Cordell Patterson, 7 carries. For 20 yards, nothing big there. Like we said, we don't really like Cordell Patterson like that in the rushing game. He's never made it work. So um, don't love the rushers here for the Falcons, but they're trying to make do. All right, uh, leading receiver here for Matt Ryan Cordell or Patterson. Six receptions for 82 yards. Then we have Calvin Ridley. Eight receptions for 61 yards, and he was targeted the most. Love that Matt Ryan is utilizing his weapons. Get that get that weapon action. I love it. Love it. Uh, then we get Kyle Pitts. Two receptions for 35 yards. 
Olamide, Zacchaeus, three receptions for 32 yards and a touchdown. And then we have Mike Davis, the running back, four receptions for 20 yards. So Matt Ryan trying to distribute the wealth around, and uh, it resulted into 17 points. But a real kind of nothing burger here in this game. Nothing great, nothing bad. Two bad teams going at it. Two 0-2 teams going at it. One team had a win, and it was the Falcons. So we're not giving really that much credit to the Falcons. We'll try to give them a little respect heading into the next week but it's just Matt Ryan folks he's nothing great he got to a Super Bowl but so did Jared Goff and now look at him on the lines doing nothing spectacular just like Matt Ryan is here on the Falcons doing nothing spectacular so Falcons get the three-point win 17 to 14 Alrighty, next game up is the Chargers and the Chiefs, and man, oh man, man, oh man, this is starting to be, you know, we kind of predicted it, I'm not, yeah, we kind of predicted it, we said it, and um, we are kind of, we did kind of buy into it, I think we put that on our, um, let's see, did we put this officially on our 2021 season predictions, uh, that we said that Patrick Mahomes would kind of follow the same kind of cycle that Russell Wilson has followed of coming onto the scene hot, um, his first couple of seasons, Seasons, winning a Super Bowl, getting to a second, losing that second Super Bowl, literally, you know, word for word, bar for bar for what Patrick Mahomes has done here. But what has happened with uh, Russell Wilson? He hasn't been back to the Super Bowl in what, five, six years? We're kind of seeing the same trend here by Patrick Mahomes. And I know it's only three games into the season and we may be overreacting, but so far, this is all we can talk about. We can only talk about three games. So we're talking week by week here, breaking everything down. Uh, so what do we got here? Do we have this officially up here? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. We got anything like that? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs take a slight step back, lose first in the second playoff game. So that is that the only... Uh okay, so we didn't really write it down. But we have, you know, said this a couple of times right here. Did not officially write it down. All right, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Uh, but back to this uh, Chargers-Chiefs game where, you know, Patrick Mahomes throws an interception, two interceptions, and does he lose the fumble? Tyreek Hill lost the fumble. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire lost the fumble. So a lot of turnovers here by the Chiefs in the first half, and then they cleaned it up in the second half, made it competitive like classic Chiefs fashion. I think there was a, a game last season that followed kind of like to a T of what the Chiefs did last week, uh, yesterday of just losing a lot of uh, turnovers in the first half and everybody kind of writing off the Chiefs saying, oh my goodness, they're going to lose and they're looking so bad. But then they come back and almost win the game. I think they ended up winning that game last season. They lose this game this season because of the balls on the coaching staff here by the Chargers. Let me get up uh, the Chargers head coach's name quickly. Blanking on the name real quick, but I get got to give this man credit for uh, going for it on um, on fourth down instead of taking the field goal. Now, not the greatest decision overall because he still left time on the clock after picking up that uh, fourth and nine. Um, they could have um, they could have um, just kind of ran out the ball and then kicked the game-winning field goal, but then they end up scoring a touchdown. So not the best clock management here by the Chargers head coach, but overall, real great kind of confident ability. Hey, to beat the Chiefs, you need to score touchdowns. You need to be aggressive. For So for that, Brandon Staley, the head coach for the Chargers, I give him credit, but the clock management definitely could have been shored up a little bit. But hey, at the end of the day, you won the game. You got it done. Credit to Brandon Stanley, Stanley. So, well done there by Brandon Stanley. Uh, give that man some credit. 
All right, uh, now let's start here with uh, let's start here with the Chiefs. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes goes 27 of 44. Is that good completion percentage? Let's take a look. Here we go. 27 of 44 is 61 percent completion percentage. Not great there by Patrick Mahomes. 260 yards and only 27 completions. That's a little bit of dink and dunk for Patty Mahomes out there. Three touchdowns, which was great, but the two interceptions. First interception is there uh, comes here on their first drive of the game, and unfortunately the Chargers don't take advantage of that turnover. But then we get a fumble here. Who fumbled the ball the first time? We get Tyreek Hill fumbling the ball, and we don't like that. We call Tyreek Hill the best receiver in the NFL. You can't be fumbling the ball like that. What are you doing? And that's when the Chargers take advantage of that turnover and score a touchdown. Now, unfortunately, they do miss the extra point, but they still took advantage of the fumble. Next drive here is a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble who fumbled last week on the game-winning potential drive against the Ravens. So this man has fumbled back-to-back -back in big spots here last week in the fourth quarter on the last drive trying to win the game. He fumbles. Now this game, they're down six. They were just coming off of an interception, which is coming off of a fumble, and then they fumble again. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you are kind of expendable here on this team. Don't kind of say, hey, you know, you're only in your second year. You didn't do anything great, like extraordinary. You're a rookie year that can kind of, you know, give you some free passes here early in the season for the fumble. So you, my man, need to clean up the turnovers 100%. Please do something here. I don't want to see another fumble by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the rest of the season. I'll give him a six-week stretch. You can't fumble for the next six weeks. And then if you fumble maybe once or twice after six weeks from now, we'll give you maybe one more chance. But I need to see a solid stretch where this man doesn't fumble the ball. So he fumbles the ball, and then they go down and score a touchdown and the two-point conversion to make it 14-0. So for that, once again, great credit for the Chargers, making the Chiefs pay for every single turnover or the bulk of their mistakes. So for that, give credit to Justin Herbert, uh, the play calling offensively, the head coach getting that team right and kind of drilling it in the head of, hey, we need to score right now. This is a huge, important drive. Everybody must be on their bullshit, and they were for back-to-back drives. So well done for the Chargers making the Chiefs pay, especially on the road. Fantastic. All right, let's see where this uh, second interception is coming from. And it comes in the fourth quarter where it was a tie game. Tie ball game with two minutes left. Chiefs just have to go down and win the game. But he throws an interception. And then that's when the Chargers get kind of crazy. Get a little bit of crazy. They were going to go for it on fourth and four. But then they have a five-yard penalty. And they still go for it on fourth and nine from the Chiefs' 35-yard line. We're not kicking field goals and leaving 48 seconds on the clock for Patrick Mahomes. What are you, nuts? We're going for it on fourth and nine, and they do, and they get it, and they win the game because of it. So well done, the Stones on Brandon Stanley, folks. Man, oh, man. And got to give credit to Justin Herbert as well for leading the charge on that drive as well. So, man, oh, man, we love Justin Herbert. You know, this Chargers team is winning games early in the season, so truly this Chargers team is making themselves true competitors right here. And man, oh man, Brandon Staley, we know kind of the narrative around this Chargers team is they lose the close games, you know, with... Um 
oh man, I'm blanking on the oh, the head coach of last season uh, for the Chargers, Anthony Lynn. You know, that's why he got fired because he was losing the close games. Maybe Brandon Stanley got here. He's like, I can't lose this close game. We had the history. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to be fired my first year for losing one or two or three close games. They're not going to do that. But, you know, I don't want to go down that hole. I don't want to start, you know, losing close games. So I'm going to be aggressive here. The Chargers haven't been that aggressive in the last three years under Anthony Lynn, and they were aggressive here. So it all pays off. High risk, high reward, and the man just beat the Chiefs. Holy moly, that's one of the biggest rewards you can get in the NFL. So, man, oh, man, Chargers, folks. Very well done. Uh, but uh, let's finish the Chiefs here, and then we'll get to uh, all the Chargers action where uh, Justin Herbert had a pretty solid game. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 17 carries for 100 yards. That's so great, but you fumble the ball. Man, oh, man, can't be doing that. And then it results in two seven points. Patrick Mahomes, four rushes for 45 yards, picking up some nice first downs. Daryl Williams, seven carries for 28 yards rushing. Alrighty, and then the leading receivers here for the Chiefs. Once again, Ty, uh, Travis Kelsey, seven receptions for 104 yards. Tight ends doing what they do. Tyree Kill, five receptions for 56 yards. A little bit of a lock up there. Miko Harmon, three receptions for 33 yards. One touchdown. Demarcus Robinson, two receptions for 17 yards. So, um, solid outing here by everybody's just, unfortunately, those turnovers got the better of them. Chiefs had three turnovers in this game. Only lose by six, folks. I don't believe the Chargers turned over the ball at all this game. They did not. Fantastic cleanless, flawless game, and it still went down to the wire, and they still had to go for it on fourth and nine to overcome Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and company, and when they turned over the ball three times. This is how hard it is to beat the Chiefs, folks. So the Chargers did everything right. Give them credit. All right, now let's start talking about these Chargers players. Yes, sir. Chargers, Justin Herbert, man, 26 of 38. What do we got? 68% completion percentage. Absolutely perfect. 281 yards. Fantastic there. Four touchdowns. Yes, you read that right. Four touchdowns, folks. No interceptions. We saw him throw red zone interceptions last week. Clean that up. Four touchdowns. No turnovers. Flawless game by Justin Herbert. And, man, oh, man, this man is coming alive this season. Fine. Finally getting here this season. Justin Herbert is ready to kind of be like, hey, I'm the best of the young group out here. I am the best of the young new group. These rookies this year are all playing really, really badly. The rookies from last year, Joe Burrow did really, really well. These rookies from last year are really doing good. Unfortunately, Tua, we can't see him. How unfortunate. But Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert's the best so far. Joe Burrow's looking real solid. And, um... Jalen Hurts plays tonight, so we'll see a little bit of him. Uh, but, yeah, man, oh, man, Justin Herbert, great game. Austin Eckler, 11 rushes for 55 yards. Justin Herbert ran four times for 16 yards. Dual threat ability. Get that going, kid. Yes, sir. Love it. Four yards at carry. We love it. Dual threat designation there for Herb. All right, let's see who Herbert was throwing the ball to. Leading receiver here for the Chargers is Mike Williams. Seven receptions, 122 yards, two touchdowns. Second leading receiver here, Austin Eckler, the running back. Six receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. And then going to, going to Keenan Allen, eight receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. So literally utilizing all of his main weapons. Keenan Allen targeted 12 times. Mike Williams targeted nine times. Those are their top two wide receivers, and they were the most targeted by far the third leading targeted receiver was Austin Eckler at six targets and that was a running back so truly utilizing his weapons and that's what we're all about here when you have 
have the weapons like that. You go to them time and time again. You trust them, and you trust your ability to give them the ball. That's why we're so big on Justin Herbert, and it pays off here against a Chargers or against a Chiefs great team. So great win by this Chargers team, scoring or early, scoring off of turnovers, scoring in the second half, and clutching it up when they needed to. The drives after halftime, first drive is a three and out, unfortunately, but then they get a touchdown, a field goal, and another touchdown, scoring three of their four second half drives and scoring on their final three drives of the game. That's how. That's what it takes to beat the Chiefs, folks, and the Chargers did it to a T. Follow this blueprint. It's a tough blueprint to follow because you need to force three turnovers, or four turnovers, but that's what you have to do against the Chiefs, folks. So, once again, huge, huge credit, huge, huge ups to Justin Herbert and Brandon Stanley getting it done. So, the Chargers win by six, 30 to 24. All right, next game up here is the Bengals and the Steelers. And what the hell is going on with the Steelers offense, folks? Getting out to slow starts, not putting up any points, turning the ball over. Matt Canada is floundering here because when I'm looking at their overall roster, I can't put the blame on Big Ben. The accuracy is there. The arm strength is still there to AT. And we're going to talk about that. The arm strength is probably going to get uh get a little bit down down slope in a little in a couple of games here and we'll talk about why but I'm not going to put the blame on Big Ben. He is still serviceable right now. They've got wide receivers on deck, and they got Najee Harris, who's lighting it up. It's got to be something with the play calling, something on that end, because why is this Steelers team only putting up 10 points? Why is this Steelers team getting shut out in the first half or only putting up seven or three points in the first half? What is going on? And they lose the game last night to the Bengals, and I got to give credit to Joe Burrow. He was looking fantastic. Jamar Chase, Man, oh man, that man swindled everybody. And I want to kind of know, was that their game plan for the preseason? Nobody wanting to kind of give away any of their secrets. Everyone trying to play big brain IQ in the preseason games. When do we play our starters? Do we not play our starters? We're not going to play our main quarterbacks. We play them for a series in game three, the final, the uh, preseason finale. We don't play them all. But what the Bengals did with Joe, uh, with um, Jamar Chase was... They used them like one or two plays every single preseason game. Did they have him intentionally drop all those passes to get everybody kind of being like, oh, this man can't even play overlooking Jamar Chase. And then he hits the scene. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. What has he got? Four or five touchdowns already this season after three games. The man is absolutely incredible out here, folks. Man, oh, man. So I don't know if... Um, uh, Zach Taylor here, the head coach for the Bengals, is playing big brain IQ, but if he is, it got him to a 2-1 start, and Jamar Chase is definitely the best rookie uh, wide receiver of this draft class by a mile so far. Uh, Devontae Smith, a close second. Jalen Waddell, not even a close third, honestly. So, got to give a lot of credit to Jamar Chase, but let's go back to the Steelers team and uh, talk about what's going on here. Because, first of all, first of all, you had Big Ben throw the ball 58 times. 58 times? What the hell are you doing? You ran the ball only 14 times? What is going on? And this is kind of why we say it's got to be on Matt Canada. Why are you passing the ball 58 times? We read the quote in the offseason where everybody was on the same page. Mike Tomlin, the head coach. Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. Big Ben, 
Najee Harris. They were all on the same page of, hey, we need to run the ball more. And now, three games into the season, you got Big Ben slinging it around 58 times? What the hell? We heard from Big Ben of why he was feeling so good at the start of this season was because he wasn't throwing the ball that much in the offseason, not utilizing that arm, not stress testing that arm. So he was fresh for the season. And now you go and throw the ball 58 times week three. Big Ben's arm is not going to last now. And the play calling is not going to do him any favors. So we are close, close to potentially. We're not going to write off this uh, Steelers team 100% like we just did with the Colts and like we did with the Giants. But we're getting there. We probably only have about, well, we probably got a solid 40% still buyability into the Steelers team. But we need to see them start putting up the points. There is no excuse why the Steelers team has not put up a 30-plus point performance yet this season. There's really no excuse. So they got to get something going here. But let's talk about Big Ben and these stats here. He goes 38 of 58 passing. Jeez Louise. 38 of 58. Uh, 65%, which is still good by the numbers, but way too many passes we don't need Big Ben aging Big Ben throwing the ball this many times and it's only for 318 yards so a little bit of dink and dunk with the 38 completions he had one touchdown and two interceptions obviously you're going to be throwing a pick or two when you're th throwing the ball 58 times folks that's absurd it's absurd so big bad and absurd. Let's see where these interceptions came. First interception came in the first quarter, and uh, the Bengals go down and score seven points off of it. Very well done by that Bengals team. We put we put high emphasis on scoring off of turnovers and making your opponent pay, and the Bengals did that. All right, the second interception came. In the third quarter, the first drive of the third quarter, and once again, the Bengals go down and score seven points off of that. So making him pay on every single interception, big, big, big credit there to that, um, to that Bengals team. Very well done. And then we had no fumbles, right? No fumbles here for the Steelers. No lost fumbles anyway, so Big Ben's two interceptions, only two turnovers of the game, result into 14 points the other way. Well done by the Bengals. And once again here, Steelers getting out to a slow start. We've seen this game one, game two, and now game three. Can we please, and, they, and they've been at home the last two weeks. How are you not getting out to hot starts at home? That's never a great sign. What the hell? These offensive coordinator needs to get it together, please. First drive here for the Steelers, three and out. Second drive, three and out. Third drive is the interception drive on three plays. Fourth drive, eight plays, 11 yards, barely moving the ball there, half to punt. And then finally, the fifth drive of the game comes a touchdown. But then after the touchdown, they're back to three and out. And then it's halftime. And then coming out of halftime, it's the interception. And then after the interception drive, we get a missed field goal. So even when they're getting into field goal range, look at this, folks. First and 10 from the Bengals 24-yard line, Big Ben passing complete. Second and 10 from the Bengals 24-yard line, Big Ben passing complete. Third and 10 from the Bengals 24-yard line, Big Ben pass incomplete. And then they settle for a 42-yard field goal. And that flounders, they missed that. So really kind of game over by then when you have a drive that is decently pushing on down the ball down the field, getting into kind of very near the red zone in that Big Ben flounder. So we'll take a look at that as well in our Wednesday film study to try to get a better, clear understanding of why this Steelers team is floundering as a whole when they really shouldn't be. Some of it's the play calling. How much of it is on Big Ben? How much is it on the wide receivers not catching the ball? So we'll investigate all that a little bit more in depth on Wednesday's film study show. But man, oh man. 
getting down big against some of these teams, against the Bills, they got down 10-0 against the Raiders, they were down big, couldn't kind of claw their way back, and now once again, getting down 24-7 here against the Bengals, and the Bengals didn't score for... From 6 minutes and 25 seconds in the third quarter for the rest of the game, they didn't score. So, once again, the door was kind of open there for the Steelers. They just couldn't couldn't walk through that door and take advantage. And once again, why? Why the Steelers team? You should be like, yeah, they should be able to come back down 24-7. Not every single game, but they should be able to at least do it or look serviceable or kind of close it in, make it a one-score game, get this game down to 24-17 at least. But they couldn't even do that, so... Something's got to give here with the Steelers offense. Big Ben is slinging it around way too much. We get Najee Harris, 14 carries for 40 yards, not even three yards a carry. So he was struggling in that department. But we do know he's a dual threat running back in this league. And Najee Harris was the leading receiver here for the Steelers team. And I don't like that he was the most targeted. That's dink and dunk. Absolutely, that's dink and dunk proof right here. Najee Harris, leading receiver for the Steelers team, 14 receptions for 102 yards. But he was targeted 19 times the most by, by a decent amount. Then we get Chase Claypool, 9 receptions, 96 yards. He was targeted 15 times. But after them, I mean, we get the second, the third leading targeted receiver was Pat uh, Frymuth, their tight end, with five targets. So Big Ben is truly dinking and dunking here. Now, is that by design or is that by Big Ben not trusting his arm or just the receivers not getting open? That is like what we said we are going to look a little bit more further into on Wednesday's film study. Now that the All-22 is out, folks, finally, finally, finally. Um, only took him three weeks, so we're, we're not going to get two down on Game Pass, but it's finally here. Cannot wait till Wednesday show. But, man, oh man, what the hell is going on with the Steelers offense? Something's got to give, and we'll find out on Wednesday. Alrighty, now let's talk about this Bengals team. Absolute big credit here by Joe Burrow, and this is what we mean. You don't need to sling the ball around 57 times or 58 times. Joe Burrow threw the ball 18 times. <laughs> he threw the ball 18 times last night, folks. And they get the win. And they were able to move the ball. So, well done to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, 14 of 18 passing. That's what we're talking about. Slow and steady with these quarterbacks. You don't need to throw them into the fire. 77% completion percentage. He had 172 yards. Three touchdowns. He did throw a pick as well. Not great there. But, overall, real solid performance here. Accurate, efficient, got the win on the road. Division opponent. What more could you ask for out of Joe Burrow? Now, the interception came on their second drive. Could have, you know, derailed the entire game. But then Big Ben comes back and throws an interception off the interception. And then Joe Burrow says, I'm not going to kind of, you know, make the same mistake twice. And uh, goes down and throws a touchdown off of an interception off of an interception. So, well done by Joe Burrow to clean up his mistakes. Joe Mixon out here running the ball great so far. 18 carries, 90 yards. Very well done by him. And then the leading receiver here for the Bengals, Jamar Chase, four receptions, 65 yards, two touchdowns, getting open, getting down the field. And Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase is back in action here in the NFL. So well done to Jamar Chase. Then we get Tyler Boyd, second leading receiver here for the Bengals, four receptions, 36 yards, one touchdown. Chris Evans, two receptions, 26 yards. So overall, not a big passing game. Took advantage of the short fields. Took advantage of the miscues by the Steelers. And, you know, sometimes that's all it takes and that's all you need to do. So well done by Joe Burrow. Just doing what he needed to do in this game. Didn't do kind of anything above and beyond. Didn't kind of try to do too much. And they end up winning here on the road 24-10. to 10. So well done to the Bengals. 
Uh, let's quickly see how many times was Big Ben sacked. We got one, two, three, four times. So threw the ball 58 times, sacked and hit four times. Big Ben, is he going to make it at the end of the season? Make it to the end of the season? I don't think so, folks. I think we're going to get a repeat performance of the Steelers in the back end of last season. And that was nothing good. And as we see right here, they're not off to an 11-0 start where they can afford to kind of be absolute trash offensively. And Big Ben's arm being trash, uh, throwing the ball down the field in the back end of the season because they had an 11-game cushion. They're 1-2 and two now. Not great. So, well done by the Bengals. 24-10 win over the Steelers. Alrighty, next game up here is the Bears at the Browns. And man, oh man, Justin Fields' first performance. Man, oh man, this Bears team is trash. Matt Nagy play calling is trash. Not utilizing Justin Fields' strength. They barely rolled him out of the pocket. They barely kind of, you know, made the line, you know, kind of move in the pocket, move out of the pocket, moving the offensive line to give Justin Fields space. They didn't do any of that. And are y'all ready to hear Justin Fields' stats? Because these are absolutely absolutely atrocious and I hate saying that about Justin Fields because we bought into him so much in the offseason but here we go Justin Fields 6 of 20 passing 6 of 20 folks 30% 30% completion percentage absolutely abysmal 68 passing yards, couldn't do anything. Um, David Montgomery, the rushing attack, 10 carries for 34 yards. I mean, they literally didn't even move the ball like 100 yards offensively. Absolutely trash here by this Bears team. Absolute trash. We know Matt Nagy's calling the plays here. Matt Nagy, you know, going to Justin Fields and then still saying, hey, Andy Dalton's our guy, not showing 100% trust and faith in Justin Fields out here. So, Matt Nagy, we can truly certify as the worst coach in the NFL, folks. He is now the worst coach in the NFL. It's not even Dan Campbell. He's got his guys ready to compete game in and game out. And when we get to that Ravens-Lions game, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But huge pride. And huge credit to Dan Campbell. Get it going out there. Close games every single week. Competitive games every single week. Even when they're getting blown out. Man, oh man. Gotta love it. In this close away from winning the game. Really that they should have won. But we'll save that for that game coming up. But. Matt Nagy, that designation is 100% certain now, folks. Matt Nagy is the worst head coach in the NFL. He should be fired by the end by the end of the season. He really should be fired by now. I get somebody in that maybe could salvage the season. Uh, you got nothing to lose. Matt Nagy is not going to do anything. So I would kind of see if anybody on that coaching staff can do fill an interim role, and we have a head a start on our decision for our new next head coach um, four weeks into the season. So I fire Matt Nagy right now. I fire Matt Nagy right now, but that's just me. We'll see if they do that. So, Justin Fields couldn't do anything. Uh, David Mon Montgomery, the running back, couldn't do anything. Allen Robinson, two receptions for 27 yards. I mean, folks, we're talking about 68 yards passing. Nobody's getting anything out here. So how the hell did they put up six points? Well, uh, we had the Browns turnover on downs. Now, the Browns, they went forward aggressive in the first quarter, folks. They get into a fourth and five at the Bears' 38-yard line. They go for it. Unfortunately, could not pick it up. They give up a field goal because of that. And then on the next drive, they are facing a fourth and one and unfortunately cannot pick that up either. Another turnover on downs, but then they're able to kind of kick it into gear and start scoring there, um, kind of there on out. So... 
the Browns, Kevin Stefanski. I've got no problem with the aggressive play calling, especially when you're going against Justin Fields and the rookie quarterback. Yeah, I'll put him in a little bit of a better field goal or better just kind of starting field position. They give the Bears the Chicago's 47-yard line. That's when they start their first drive. I've got no problems giving up that. We'll let, let Justin Fields drive on us. Prove that you can drive on us. And he didn't prove that all game. So, once again, no problem with Kevin Stefanski's aggressive play calling here. And we've been seeing aggressive play calling a lot this season. Definitely a lot in week three with the Chargers game and all that that we've already talked about. But, yeah, the aggressive play calling. Hey, you got to risk it to get the biscuit sometimes here. And Kevin Stefanski is trying to get that biscuit. So, well done by the, uh, by the Browns. I've got no problem with the play calling here. Um, so they score three points there off of a little bit of a uh, better start, starting at their own 47-yard line. Their second field goal comes um, when they get their second field goal. Here we go. Uh, they started on their own 31-yard line in the third quarter, and they were able to get uh, – they got a 48-yard penalty. That's why. <laughs> Pass interference penalty. That's why. Okay. Uh, so – that's the only reason why they were able to put up points. Uh, one off of a big penalty and one off of great starting field position. So Bears literally could not, could not do anything. I'm sure y'all have heard the stat by now where Justin Fields passed the ball 68 yards, but then ended up getting like 67 uh, sacking yards. So he had like a net gain of one yard, of one yard the entire game, which is just absolutely what are we doing out here? So, this is a bear, bad Bears team. They have no offensive line. They have no offensive play caller. And they don't have, like, tier one weapons that can kind of make up for all those lackluster spots everywhere on this offensive side of the ball. So, um, and that's no disrespect to Allen Robinson. There's no, that's no disrespect to them, but to him. But at the end of the day, they don't have Devontae Adams and DeMar, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs and all that. Uh, DK Metcalf and even Tyler Lockett. It's just unfortunate. So, this Bears team. Team, um, very yeah. I mean, I'm 100% off of Matt Nagy. I, I think I made that clear by calling him the worst head coach in the league. I still think Justin Fields can get it done, but everything else on this Bears roster is just absolutely not good. Besides Khalil Mack, he got back into the game here, back into the limelight here. Uh, Khalil Mack did have two sacks, so well done. Uh, the Bears defense did solid right here. They had two, three, four, five sacks last night. Um, unfortunately, the offense just couldn't put up any points. All right, now let's talk about this Browns team. I want to talk about the sacks quickly here. Uh, well, Miles Garrett had four and a half sacks himself and four tackles for losses. So I don't know what more of a more dominant performance you needed here. Uh, but Miles Garrett having four and a half sacks himself is just absolutely absurd. Uh, so Miles Garrett, four and a half sacks. Jeremiah Uwusu-Kormoa, baby, getting in for a half a sack and a tackle for a loss. We got Rodney Harrison, one sack and one tackle for loss. Malik Jackson, half a sack. We get uh, Takarist McKinley, half a sack as well. So what is this? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine sacks by Justin Fields. I mean, did y'all even prepare? <laughs> what were y'all doing all week? Matt Nagy was probably too busy uh, going to Andy Dalton on the phone and be like, you're the guy. Don't worry, Andy. Hey, you've got nothing to worry about. You're the guy, Andy. You're our guy. Justin Fields is just filling in, okay? Are you okay? You're good? Okay, I'm just making sure our relationship is good. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying to you. Are you good, Andy Dalton? And then all the Bears, um, you know, other coaching assistant and players were like, yo, Matt Nagy, you going to come to practice? And Matt Nagy's like, yeah, I'll be there in a second. 
All right, Ann Delton, you're doing good? Okay. You resting? You're doing good? Okay. Are you, you're still a starter, though. You know that, right? Okay. Hey, you're the starter. Hey, bud, cheer up. You're going to be starting in a couple of weeks. Hey, take this next couple of weeks. Look over the film. Get better. Hey! 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 Y'all doing good in practice? All right, everything's going good? All right. All right, Andy, you good? Okay, okay. So it's just like, hey, what is Matt Nagy doing out here, folks? Just absolutely being garbage out here, and it's reflecting, and it's unfortunately getting out, uh, getting Justin Fields off to a very, very slow start to his career, unfortunately. So awful everything here by the Bears. Uh, now let's talk about this Browns team. Baker Mayfield, not a great game. We've been seeing real solid, serviceable, accurate, efficient games by Baker Mayfield. But he goes 19 of 31. Not the greatest. 61% completion percentage. Nothing great out here. He had 246 yards. He did have a passing touchdown. Uh, all that is real solid, but the completion percentage is real low, and that's a little bit of uh, you know questionable because we know Kevin Stefanski is calling calling these games and scheming up these games so well for him. So a little bit of a lackluster performance for Baker Mayfield, and this was an opportunity for the Bears to take advantage, but the offense, like we just said, was absolutely trash. Matt Nagy is absolutely trash. All right, what else is great? Uh, what what else is great here by this Browns team? The rushing attack, the mother loving dual threat rushing attack, running back by committee. Nick Chubb, twenty two carries for eighty four yards, and Kareem Hunt, ten carries for eighty one yards and a touchdown. Sheesh, running back by committee. We absolutely love it here by the Browns. OBJ's first game back and he's the leading receiver. Baker Mayfield is wasting no time going back to his wide receiver A1 tier 1 weapon. OBJ targeted 9 times, 5 receptions for 77 yards. Kareem Hunt after rushing for 81 yards had 6 receptions for 74 yards. I mean folks, that's what we're talking about here. Thunder and Lightning, Chubb and Hunt. Man, woo! Love it out here. This Brown's offense is truly, it should be one of the top offenses in the league. Unfortunately, gets overshadowed by Patrick Mahomes and his star-studded ability and kind of the Rams a little bit with Sean McVay's genius and Matthew Stafford. Uh, but this Browns team, don't sleep on them offensively, folks. They, Kevin Stefanski knows how to coach this team and knows how to scheme them open. I mean, look at these stats, folks. These are fantastic. Donovan Peoples-Jones, two receptions for 39 yards. Rashad Higgins, two receptions for 24 yards. Austin Hooper, two receptions for 19 yards and a touchdown. Um, fantastic out here by everybody on this Browns team. Offensively, defensively, we just said nine sacks. How, how is that possible? Uh, so the Browns just absolutely obliterate the Bears, 26-6. Matt Nagy should be fired. Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback, and uh, hopefully they can fix that offensive line. That's all that needs to be <laughs> It needs to be said against the Bears. Well done by the Browns. Getting an absolute dominant win. Alrighty, and then after the game, Matt Nagy said Bears quarterback Justin Fields may have injured a hand late in the loss this afternoon. Oh yeah, that's what happens when you get thrown to the ground nine times in the game. You get a little bit banged up right here. So is this Matt Nagy kind of tempering down expectations on Justin Fields so they can bring back Andy Dalton when, you know, he's ready to go? Only time will tell. So... We'll see truly what's going on here with the Bears, but uh, just feels a little, little banged up. We'll see if it's anything serious. Alrighty, next game up here is the Ravens and the Lions, folks. And man, oh man, give credit to Dan Campbell. 
always competitive. They were down, what, like 16 nothing at one point in this game, and they make it a game. They take the lead, and then a miraculous, never-happened-before play in the league happens, and the Lions lose. So I honestly feel so bad for Dan Campbell, and who thought we would be saying that, folks? I mean, man, oh, man, Dan Campbell loses on a 66 record-setting yard field goal attempt that bounced uh, straight up in the air off the crossbar and then decided to actually go in. So wild, wild, wild. I'm sure y'all have seen the kick by now. We'll watch it again here um, at the end when we talk about this game. But whew, man, oh, man, Dan Campbell. Got to give Dan Campbell credit, folks. And now, heading into next week, when the Lions, I'm sure, will be down like, you know, uh, eight-point underdogs, nine-point underdogs, potential ten-point underdogs in the spread, I think we have confidence now to take those points. And now that's going to be great value because Dan Campbell has no quit and it's infectious. And it seems like everybody is buying into Dan Campbell. And that's what we were nervous about going into this season. Were people going to buy into Dan Campbell? He's not kind of, you know, a classic head coach right here, you know, kind of a little bit of a, you know, beef head, muscle head, whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying that as a knock. That's just, you know, his personality and that's fine. I've got no problem with it. It's something like we said you need it on your team. I just don't think it's at the head coaching position. Tight ends coach, fantastic. Uh, defensive coordinator, fantastic. Defensive assistant, fantastic. That's truly where they fit in. Special teams, exactly. That's where they fit in. Just don't think it's going to make a great head coach. Look at Robert Sala with that Jets team, a little floundering, not competitive. Didn't they just put up zero points in like back-to-back uh, -back games. What did the Jets put up zero points this week? What did the Jets uh, do in week two? How many points did they put up in week two? Uh, Jets put up uh, six points. So they put up six points over the last two games with the Lions kind of getting blown out in the last two games, come back and make it a close game, like serviceable game in the kind of, you know, in the in the final score. So, well, you know, Robert Sala, Dan Campbell, two basically kind of the same guys, muscle head, juice head kind of head coaches out here. But Dan Campbell, people are buying into him. So well done by Dan Campbell winning over the locker room. Truly everybody buying in. They're getting down big. They're getting down bad. They don't care. They don't quit. They they, stop, they don't stop fighting. They keep on pounding. Isn't that Detroit keep pounding? I mean, that's Dan Campbell to a T, and they're all buying in. So huge, huge credit to him. Now let's see if we can get a win and start building upon that. But so far, man, oh, man, Dan Campbell's doing a great job here by Detroit. People need to start giving him a lot more credit, um, and we will start be doing that as well. All right, so let's talk about this Lions team. I mean, got down big, got down bad. They couldn't move the ball. I mean, these are their first drive. Six plays, 23 yards, punt. Three and out, drive number two. Four plays, 23 yards, they have to punt. Uh, three and out, drive number four there. Drive number five, five plays, 10 yards. Drive number six, three and out. Last drive right before half, five plays, 34 yards. Unfortunately, can't do anything with this. So down 10 nothing, going into halftime. Then down 13 nothing, and then they finally score, making it 13-7. And then the second drive out of halftime, they score another touchdown. And then their third drive, they only had three drives in the second half, and they scored on every single one of them. I mean, folks, look at these some of these drives right here. First drive out of halftime, 11 plays, 75 yards, eating up seven minutes on the clock. Second drive out of halftime, 12 plays, 47 yards, seven minutes and 25 seconds, eating that up off the clock. So once again, everybody reconvening for halftime. Dan Campbell's halftime speech gets everybody fired up, and they come out and score every single drive out of halftime get the lead and then we all know what happens after that so 
man, oh man, Dan Campbell. I think I underestimated that man to the max. To the max. I may have to officially apologize to the man. This man comes out next week. Who do they got next week? Another tough opponent? Let's quickly see. Lions next week. Who do we got? Because next week I may officially apologize to Dan Campbell. Uh, but next week the Lions. What do we got here? The Lions got the Bears. Now, they should win that game. That is a definite winnable game. And I'm telling you right now, if Dan Campbell can go, I believe it's in Chicago. If they go into Chicago and beat the Bears, I will officially formally apologize to Dan Campbell for kind of underestimating him in the offseason. But, man, oh, man, I can't say enough great things out of Dan Campbell so far. And that's a 180 of what we've been seeing and saying all offseason. So, credit to that, man. All right, Jared Goff goes 22 of 30 for 217 yards. No touchdown, no interception, clean game there, decently efficient. Let's get the completion percentage up, uh, 73% on 217 yards. Once again, just solid right there, always in it and getting it done and doing it when they needed to. So uh, Ravens never closed out this game. Marquise Hollywood Brown had multiple opportunities to kind of close out this game, being wide open down the field, but he's trash, can't rain in the ball. And we're going to watch all those drops in our Wednesday film study here. But Ravens kept the door open. And wasn't that was our kind of entire model for week two. Teams leaving the door open. And we saw it again here this week. Y'all have to shut the door on these teams. If you leave the door open, the teams will come through. The Lions, the Lions came through that left open door here by the Ravens, folks. That should tell you everything you need to know. Any team will take a wide open door if you y'all leave that door open Lions are no different and they basically had the win should have had the win that uh definitely uh, uh delay of game on the play before definitely was a delay of game they don't call it unfortunate and uh they kicked the 66 yard game winning field goal how crazy uh, but Jared Goff, solid game out there. DeAndre Swift, 14 carries, 47 yards. He rushed for a touchdown. Jamal Williams, 12 carries, 42 yards. He rushed for a touchdown. So running back by committee here. Love that. Want to see more of that. And this is what the Lions should be doing. 30 passing attempts by Jared Goff. Maybe slightly too much. Maybe limited to 25 to 28. But still, solid. That's what we're looking for. And then 14 carries by Swift. 12 carries by Jamal Williams. 26 carries overall by the running game. That's exactly what we want to see balanced run pass game and uh, Dan Campbell's got this team working I'm loving it all right let's see who Jared Goff was throwing the ball to leading receiver here Khalif Raymond six receptions for 68 yards DeAndre Swift, seven care, uh, seven receptions for 60 yards. Darren Fowles, two receptions, 35 yards. Jamal Williams, two receptions, 25 yards. TJ Hawkinson, two receptions, 10 yards. So decently spreading the wealth between all of the weapons. We love seeing that. Um, and the Lions, like we said, put up 17 points, only lose by two, 19 to 17. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Ravens. Let's start here with Lamar Jackson in a really, really big, not great passing performance. A lot of drops here by the wide receivers, but he goes 16 of 31, folks. That's only 51% completion percentage. Not good. He had 287 passing yards, though, on 16 completions. That's fantastic. Absolutely. One touchdown, one interception, unfortunately. Let's see where this interception comes from. 
Interception comes in the fourth quarter, and the Lions take advantage and go down and take the go-ahead field goal with a minute and eight seconds left. Unfortunate, you just leave a little bit too much time for Lamar Jackson. There's quarterbacks that you can just leave absolutely no time for. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Those are the three truly established ones, but given what Lamar Jackson can do in the dual threat game, you really can put Lamar Jackson in that category as well. Just unfortunately left him a little bit too much time. And folks, yes, I understand. The delay of game should have been called. I get it. I would have thrown the flag. I watched this game live. I saw it and I was like, yeah, that's a flag. And then when they uh, they like another extra second and a half tick off of that play clock and I'm like, we're at like negative a second and a half. I'm like, y'all are really not throwing this flag now? How crazy. It's like Lamar Jackson didn't even notice and that's why it could have just been a missynchronization between the broadcast and the game clock because Lamar Jackson didn't even seem urgent. So did Lamar Jackson just not see the play clock or was the synchronization of the play clock between the broadcast and on the field a little off? So I'm sure we'll know more information as this week continues because that's definitely going to be a big story. It already is, but we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, so they go and kick the 66 yard field goal. Let's just watch it because it's absolutely insane. <laughs> it's just absolutely insane. Here we go. Uh, 66 yarder, folks. I mean, folks, y'all know the record. The record was what? 63 yards? So the longest field goal in history was 63 yards. And this man broke it by three yards. That's crazy. It wasn't a one-yard break or a two-yard break. It was a full three-yard break right there. That's stunting. You're going to break a record that hasn't been broken. I think that record was set, um, what, in the 70s? Let me see if I can get that up quickly right here. Quickly. Longest field goal in NFL history. I know what it is now. Um, but I want to know uh, number two, number two. 64 yards, so he broke it by two yards right there. Absolutely fantastic. That's a big old stunt right there to break it by two yards. But, man, oh, man, well done there by who, Justin Tuck, correct? This is the man that did it. Justin Tuck, the kicker for the Ravens. Let's get his name up. I'm almost certain it's Justin Tucker. Let's, uh, yeah, Justin Tucker, so well done by breaking it. Um, just a big old leg and then, you know, the help from the crossbar. Uh, we may watch this in the film study as well on Wednesday just because uh, they showed Harbaugh's reaction to it, and it's one of the most priceless things. Uh, John Harbaugh didn't even think it was going to go in. He literally looked to one of his assistant coaches and just was like, just staring at him, kind of shaking his head, and the assistant coach was like, hey, it happened, and just John Harbaugh in absolute shock the entire time. Um didn't they, didn't really think it was going to hit, but it did. So, And, you know, breaking a record, you don't think it's going to hit. 66 has never been done before. Why is it going to be different this time? But in the Dome, in Ford Field, it happens. So, unfortunate the line's on the short end of the stick this time. Unfortunate. Truly unfortunate. Given everything, I mean, this is truly heartbreaking for Dan Campbell. But I know Dan Campbell will find a way to, uh, you know, turn this into a positive and get this team, you know, chomping at the bit uh, to write. They're about to bite people. I think some Lions players are really going to just be biting some of the Bears players next week because they're going to get caught up in the energy that Dan Campbell's going to provide. Uh, there might be some bites and uh, some ejections because players are going to be biting people next week. All right, but let's finish off this Ravens team. Here we go. Lamar Jackson leading rusher, seven carries for 58 yards. Latavius Murray, seven carries for 28 yards. Tyson Williams, five carries for 22 yards. Devontae Freeman, three carries for eight yards. So truly utilizing a running back by committee approach right here. Uh, three running backs getting into the mix, and they're using all of them, like we saw last season. Um, so solid there. 
Let's see who uh, Lamar Jackson was throwing to. Mark Andrews, leading receiver at the tight end position. Five receptions, 109 yards. Fantastic. Sammy Watkins, four receptions, 68 yards. Marquise Brown, three receptions, 53 yards on seven targets. Should have had, you know, uh, five, six receptions for like 200 yards, honestly. 150 yards at least, so got to get Marquise Brown better at catching the ball and not just bringing it into his body, going out and catching the ball. You know, these shorter receivers, they always use kind of their speed to get wide open, but they have to catch the ball when they're wide open, and that's why we highly praise Tyreek Hill, shorter wide receiver, but will go up and catch it with his hands. When we saw Marquise Brown last night, he was trying to catch everything into his body. You can't do that. It's going to get broken up, or you're not going to be able to catch it because it's going to bounce off of you. Um, so Marquise Brown, shorter wide receiver. That's why we don't disrespect Tyreek Hill. Give Tyreek Hill his credit, folks. He will never do anything like this. What are you talking about? Dropping two back-to-back wide open touchdowns? He doesn't do that. So Marquise Brown, man, gotta catch the ball. Damn, damn. So, Ravens get away with one, and how crazy, Lamar Jackson, uh, are, you know, you want to get conspiratorial out here, NFL conspiracy theory, they want Lamar Jackson to win, because, you know, week one, it goes into overtime, Lamar Jackson fumbles the ball, you'd think the game would be over, and, uh, well, it was over, they did lose because of that, but, you know, once again, they could have won that game, game one, but Lamar Jackson fumbles in overtime, how unfortunate. Then game number two, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbles, you know, when the Chiefs are going on the game-winning drive, then the Ravens win and now the Ravens win here on a 66 yard game winning field goal where they don't call the delay of game to play before so maybe it seems like the NFL was like hey Lamar Jackson lost game one but we need him to win this season so let's, uh, let's do some things the Buffalo Wild Wings commercials where they say go into overtime they hit the button and then something crazy happens on the field so if you want to get conspiratorial, I don't believe in that, but yeah, that could be maybe something, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to win like every game close in new fashion? Maybe. So truly unfortunate there by the lines. Ravens get the win 19-17. to Alrighty, next game up is the Saints at the Patriots and man oh man, this was not game managing quarterback. And what the hell? Who thought whose bright idea was it to have Mac Jones throw the ball 51 yards? This is what we're saying here. What are we doing? Throwing the ball. I know, you know, throwing the ball is obviously the new wave of the league over the last like four or five seasons and will continue on to the future. Uh, they would get rid of the running backs if they could, honestly, the NFL. Um, but uh, why are we throwing the ball so much with the young guys? And even with the older guys that really shouldn't be throwing the ball that many times because you don't want their arms to fully just break off mid-game and fall to the ground. Big Ben, 58 uh, passing attempts. And then we get Mac Jones, 51, uh, 51 passing attempts. We just classified Mac Jones as a game manager, and we praised the Patriots, and we praised Mac Jones, and we took the Patriots minus three here because we knew that Mac Jones could be a game manager. But now you've got him throwing the ball 51 times? That's not his game. That's not his game. And it wasn't like they were down big, bad, you know, right off the rip where they had to, you know, abandon the running game. In the first half, the biggest deficit was just 14 nothing. It was just 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. 14-3, they score a field goal right before halftime. And, you know, it's a competitive game still. You don't need to throw the ball 51 times here. So, hated that by the Patriots. Truly unfortunate. So, let's uh, start here with Mac Jones and the Patriots and what happened. Mac Jones throws the ball. 
30 of 51. Not good out there. Not good. 58% completion percentage. Absolute trash. 270 yards on 30 completions. A little bit of a dink and dunk. One touchdown. Not great for throwing the ball 51 times. And three interceptions. Truly, truly unacceptable. So the first interception comes in the second quarter, and the Saints go down and score the touchdown. Jameis Winston, we're going to talk about him as well, because once again, it's not like he's throwing the ball and slinging it around. Once again, under 200 yards passing for Jameis Winston. We still don't buy this Saints team 100%. It's just, you know, you win against a rookie quarterback in New England and just a lackluster team overall offensively, and you took advantage. You left the door open, but you took advantage at the end, so I guess we give the Saints a little bit of credit. But the first interception here by Mac Jones results into seven points. The second interception is a pick six, and the third interception is literally their last drive of the game. But uh, two interceptions for 14 points, and the Patriots didn't even put up 14 points the whole game. So, truly lost the game here by Mac Jones, but that goes a little bit on the scheming and the game plan by having him throw the ball 51 times. That's not what Mac Jones should be doing right now, or really at all. Uh, but they did it. So, unfortunate there. Mac Jones was also the leading rusher. What the hell is that? What the hell is that? Six carries by Mac Jones for 28 yards. Then we have Damon Harris, six six carries for 14 yards. James White, one carry for six yards. I mean, why are we not running the ball? Why do we have like 10 designed run plays? What is that? What are we doing out here? Why did Ramondre Stevenson not play? Because he fumbled week one and you still don't let that man out of the cage? Is that what is that what's going on here? So... Really, really wonky game plan here for the Patriots that is not going to result in the wins regardless who they face. They could have faced, you know, the Bears, and they still would have lost this game probably uh, with the way that they played this game overall. So absolutely hated that. Let's see who Mac Jones was throwing the ball to. We get Kendrick Bourne, leading receiver here. Six receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. Jacoby Myers, nine receptions for 94 yards. Then we get Hunter Henry. Five receptions, 36 yards. Brandon Bolden, three receptions, 23 yards. So it's not like Mac Jones was actively looking for the check down, going to his wide receivers, not, you know, dinking and dunking to the tight ends and the running backs the entire game. So that's a positive if you're looking for one, but everything else, real, real negatives here. So nothing great by this uh, Patriots team. Let's see what the defense did. Did they get any pressure on Jameis Winston? How many sacks did they get? Two, three sacks? All right, could have been a little bit better. But overall, this Patriots team struggled offensively. Running game non-existent. They weren't even trying. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Saints and Jameis Winston. And once again, another big win here by the Saints. A double-digit win. They put up 28 points. Everything on the quick look just looks good. But Jameis Winston, 13 of 21 for 128 yards. What are we doing? What the hell are we doing here with Jameis Winston? I mean, 61% completion percentage for only 128 yards? This man is still not airing it out. Still not, you know... Going to his wide receivers deep down the field over and over and over again. I mean, this is nothing that we can truly buy into. And they're 2-1, and one, but some of these teams that they face so far, when they face the real competition in, you know, Carolina, they get blown out and can't move the ball. So we're still not buying this Saints team yet. We're not buying Jameis Winston. We're not buying the Saints offense. We can buy the defense a little bit. But that's all we can really do so far. So Jameis Winston, a lackluster performance, but it gets the win. So we can't knock him too much out here. Th threw two touchdowns, didn't turn over the ball, which was good. We can definitely get behind that. 
Uh, running game here. Alvin Kamara, 24 rushes for 89 yards. Then we had Tyson, uh, Taysom Hill into the game, th uh, six carries for 32 yards. He ended up scoring a touchdown as well. Like seeing Taysom Hill out there. Um, I don't know if I switch back to Taysom Hill. I don't think I switched to Taysom Hill. I want to see what Jameis Winston can do at home to kind of see if that can jumpstart his confidence so we can start airing out the ball a little, a little bit more. So we'll give him next week. Uh, but we got to see more yards. I mean, we have to see a 200-yard passing game at some point, or we just have to, by default, go to Taysom Hill. Because, yeah, you may be able to beat, like, the, the worser teams, the bottom-of-the-barrel teams here, not putting up 200 yards passing, but you're not going to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely not. You won't beat the Chiefs. You won't beat the Chargers. You won't beat the Bucks. You won't beat the Rams. You're not going to beat the upper echelon teams that you need to beat on your way to the Super Bowl by not throwing 200 yards. So we have to get it going at some point. Hopefully, Jameis can get it done next week at home. Alrighty, and then Jameis Winston, leading receiver was Marquez Callaway. And once again, Jameis Winston, he threw this ball up to Marquez Callaway in the back of the end zone. And he's lucky it came down with the touchdown. We're going to watch that play. Uh, but... Um I got to give credit to Marquez Callaway. I mean, Jameis Winston and Marquez Callaway have some sort of special connection. I mean, those were all the deep balls that he was throwing in those preseason games, the preseason game finale, I believe, that he really kind of won the starting job or the second game, whatever the game that was, where he went to Marquez Callaway twice for like 40 yards bombs and touchdown, touchdown. It set the internet on fire. Basically, from that on out, it was James Winston as a starter. So I love that um, James Winston is getting Marquez Callaway actively involved in these games. And uh, hopefully Sean Payton call a little bit more plays for Marquez Callaway because their kind of rhythm and chemistry is fantastic. James Winston falling back um, in the red zone and just throwing it up for Marquez Callaway in the back of the end zone. He comes down with it for the touchdown. So they've got that special connection. One of the best wide receiver quarterback combos I think I've seen in a while. Um, I put it up there with uh, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. That's a great connection right there. So Marquez Galloway, leading receiver here for the Saints. Four receptions, 44, 41 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Harris, three receptions, 31 yards. Alvin Kamara, three receptions, 29 yards, a touchdown. Kenny Stills, one reception, 17 yards. And didn't he just get signed here by the Saints, and he's already kind of actively getting it done? That's decent. Uh, so the Saints get the nice win here, 28-13, to beating the Patriots and making Mac Jones look like a true rookie out here. All the rookies, not a great day by all the rookies out here, truly. So well done to the Saints. Alrighty, next game up here is the Cardinals and the Jags. And, you know, talking about rookie quarterbacks, I mean, he was looking good and then he crumbled. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence looking good and then crumbled, crumbled, crumbled and actively lost them the game after he was actively winning them the game. So the Cardinals, another kind of getting down big, getting down bad game like we just saw last week against the Vikings. But once again, they come back, uh, you know, shake it off and stay the course and win the game. And that's why we have the Cardinals at number two in our power rankings coming into this week. And I think when we unveil our power rankings tomorrow on the show, we are going to keep them at number two. Nothing's kind of set in stone yet, but this is kind of what we're actively thinking. Cardinals winning close games and coming down from behind on the road is huge. 
huge here, folks. It's absolutely huge. We just saw the Bucks get down against the Rams. They couldn't come back. Now, the Rams are obviously better than the Jaguars, but still, given in the same scenario, the Cardinals took advantage, and we give them credit for that. Winning close games matters, folks, especially early on in the season when you figure out how to win. That's all the early football is. Util you um, Practicing, getting what you were doing in the offseason, in those preseason games, getting that down to a T so we're at least functional, and then building off of that for wins, and then building on how to win in games in tight game scenarios, and then going and beating the better teams, and then going and getting ready for the playoffs. That's kind of how you progress through the season, and early on in the season, this Cardinals team is finding ways to win when they're down, when they're turning over the ball, when uh, they're down big, when they're down bad, forcing turnovers, scoring quickly, so you need multiple possessions in short amounts of time, and the Cardinals are figuring all that out, and this Cardinals team is absolutely looking really, really gosh dang good, so... Cardinals win 31-19, and uh, everybody else, they're talking about, yo, we have the Chiefs in the top two. They're number one. They're number two. We have the Bucks, yeah, number one, number two in our power rankings, but nobody's giving any love to this Cardinals team, folks, except for us, so maybe kind of change up your sports talk show uh, so it's not all boilerplate, same thing every single day. Oh, we only talk about, you know, oh, the teams that give the ratings and nobody else. We talk about every single team, every single player here, and we have a full open view, and we are really kind of right way more than we are wrong and we're right on this Cardinals one and we will celebrate that all the way to the bank baby uh so the rest is on y'all the rest is on y'all we're here we're saying this it's right I don't know what I don't want more y'all want from us but back to this game here we go Cardinals Jaguars let's start here with the Jaguars because they were looking good and serviceable and that's what we just saw last week from Trevor Lawrence we broke down every single throw we watched every single throw it took us eight nine minutes to watch every single Trevor Lawrence throw from last week and we liked it yes his stat sheet did not look good it looked trash but him passing the ball we definitely bought into and that's kind of what we were seeing early in this game. And then he decided to throw an interception. And then it all unraveled from there. So the Jaguars, they get out to a 7 nothing deficit. But then they come back and make it uh, 13 um they get it going in the third quarter, making it 19-10. to 10, And then it just goes down from there. The Cardinals score a touchdown. Kyler Murray. Uh, what do we got? Uh, we got three minutes left in the third quarter, and they're down two scores. Down 19 points, but Kyler Murray goes down and leads them to a touchdown. And then we get a Trevor Lawrence interception, and that leads to a touchdown there for the Cardinals. Unfortunate. So now they're up 24 to 17, 24 to 19, and then they score another touchdown. The Cardinals score another touchdown, making it 31 to 19, and then they fumble twice, and it's game over. Trevor Lawrence can't lead the comeback. So Trevor Lawrence goes 22 of 34, folks. 22 of 34, which is oh, hang on, 22 of 34. 64% completion percentage, really right in the wheelhouse of real solid. 219 yards on 22 completions, right on the border of dink and donk. One touchdown, two interceptions. Interceptions are almost inexcusable, folks. First interception comes in the first quarter, unfortunately, and he throws it in Arizona territory in the red zone. Cannot be doing that. No way. Luckily for the Jaguars, the Cardinals can't utilize uh, score any points off of that, so it's still 0-0 at this point, or 7-0 at this point. Cardinals are still in the lead. 
And then the uh, second interception really just kind of brought down the entire game right here. This is truly the turning point in this game, the second interception. They were they were kind of in this game. They were winning up until this point, but he throws the interception, and it's game over from there in the third quarter. So... Trevor Lawrence just got to clean it up a little bit for the most, but everything else, it's solid here by Trevor Lawrence. And once again, we probably will try to watch every single throw here by Trevor Lawrence in this game to get a nice, accurate picture. But so far, he is truly looking like the best rookie quarterback. All the rookie quarterbacks had real bad games this week, but Trevor Lawrence is looking like the one that's the most serviceable and should be able to kind of clean up all the mistakes the quickest. So Trevor Lawrence definitely got to kind of get a little bit better out here. Obviously cannot be throwing two interceptions and fumbling t fumbling the ball twice as well. The last two drives he fumbled. Um, unfor you know, fortunately for them, the game was already over, but uh, you know, couldn't kind of come back fumbling on the Arizona 24-yard line trying to you know make it a one-score game and then fumbling again at the Arizona 16-yard line with five seconds left. So just bad, bad turnovers here by Trevor Lawrence giving away the game. All right, running game here for the Jaguars. James Robinson, 15 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. All right, who was Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball to? We have Marvin Jones, leading receiver for the Jaguars, six receptions, 62 yards. DJ Chark, three receptions, 49 yards and a touchdown. Uh, LaVisca Chenault Jr., four receptions, 48 yards. And then James Robinson, six receptions for 46 yards. So Trevor Lawrence still actively spreading the ball around. That's good, but the interceptions, the turnovers need to be cleaned up. Alrighty, now let's talk about this Cardinals team. Off to a little bit of a slow start. Only up 13-7 going into halftime. Never really blowing out this Jaguars team. It took a Trevor Lawrence interception in the third quarter to get this Cardinals team back on track to take the lead and then to just kind of win the game from that point on. So this Cardinals team... Not getting out to a hot start, getting down, being losing this game, down on the road, all of that setting in, and they still find a way to win this game. That's huge, huge credit for this Cardinals team. I don't really take that as a knock. I'm not knocking this Cardinals team. I know a lot of other probably sports people are knocking the Cardinals, being like, well, they didn't even blow them out, and it was a close game the entire game. I take that as a good sign. I think that's a good thing, especially early on in the season when you're just finding ways to win games. The Cardinals are doing it and I kind of weigh that heavily and that's why we have them as one of the top tier teams in this league so here we go Kyler Murray 28 of 34 and he didn't even throw a touchdown the Cardinals put up 31 points and won the game without Kyler Murray throwing a touchdown that's super impressive but let's get the completion percentage 28 of 34 82% completion percentage. Fantastic there. 316 yards. Fantastic there. No touchdown. One interception. Interceptions and not great. Let's see when he threw his pick. And he threw it on the opening drive of the second half. Once again, they were down and he threw an interception. Fantastic by the Cardinals defense to not allow the Jaguars to capitalize on the Kyler Murray interception. So fantastic there. Great defense. Now let's talk about the running game. Running back by committee, James Conner, 11 carries for 43 yards and two touchdowns. Chase Edmonds, 11 carries for 26 yards. And then we got Kyler Murray, seven carries for 19 yards. He had a rushing touchdown as well. So not terrible by the rushing game. Could have been obviously a little bit better. 
All right, and then Kyler Murray throwing the ball. A.J. Green loving that he's back in the picture, baby. Leading receiver for the Cardinals. Five receptions, 112 yards. Can't wait to watch A.J. Green on Wednesday show. We'll definitely watch all of his receptions. Got to celebrate A.J. Green. Uh, you know, a, a kind of old school OG, best receiver in the league. You know, kind of out of his prime here for this Cardinals team. Still putting in the work. We love it. Second leading receiver here for the Cardinals, seven receptions for Christian Kirk for 104, 104 yards. Chase Edmonds, seven receptions for 49 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, only three receptions, 21 yards. They put up 31 points with DeAndre Hopkins only putting up 21 yards. That is a huge success here for the Cardinals, folks. We should not be falling off the Cardinals for because of all this. We should be praising and ranking them highly for how they're winning games, folks. It's absolutely fantastic. Well done here by this Cardinals team, and they didn't even really use their rookie, Rondell Moore, who was a huge piece last week. So they're actively finding new ways to win, new people to get the ball to in key situations, and they still put up 31 points. They still win by double digits on the road, and man, oh man, this is all great things here by the Cardinals. Obviously, we want them to kind of clean it all up and win the games and blow every team out. I'm not saying, you know, I want to see this by the Cardinals every single week, but a week here, a week there, um... Winning real early on in the season, I don't take any of this as a negative here for the Cardinals. So, well, well, well done by Arizona. Truly unfortunate. This was Trevor Lawrence's game to win, and he ended up losing it himself. So, got to see Trevor Lawrence. These are growing pains for the rookie. Tough game here by the Cardinals to kind of beat, but they had the lead. They had the ability. Trevor Lawrence got to clean it up a little bit. Alrighty, after the game, real interesting here. Panthers just traded their tight end Dan Arnold and we kind of celebrated him a little bit uh, last week on our um, uh, grades of the tight ends we gave him a C plus he got a grade so that's something uh, but the Panthers and Jaguars get a trade so the Panthers get cornerback CJ Henderson from the Jaguars and the Jaguars get tight end Dan Arnold so we'll see if Dan Arnold a solid option not nothing great nothing bad just solid out there for a tight end we'll see if Trevor Lawrence can make that man work uh, but uh, they lose one of their cornerbacks so We'll see if that helps. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to help, especially when you got kind of passed on all day. So that's what happened on the trade there. And then we get this, and this is what we're talking about, folks. This is why we're loving the Cardinals here. Kyler Murray on the Cardinals' comeback win over the Jaguars says, quote, the last two years, we would have lost that game for sure, being down. And that's what we saw last year for the Cardinals, not kind of winning all the games when they were down in. And Kyler Murray, kind of the process getting more clear, him and Cliff Kingsbury figuring it all out and everybody buying in and not getting down on themselves for all the miscues and all the mistakes they're going out and winning these games when they should have been losing them. That is huge, folks. Let's read the quotes here by Kyler Murray. Quote one. Quote, I'm glad we fought through adversity today. I'm frustrated, but as a team, I've been here two, three years now. and the last two years, we would have lost that game for sure. To see us fight through that and come back on the road, obviously any given Sunday, not looking at anybody's record, you can be on any you can get beat on any given Sunday by anybody so it's good to get a win any way you can that's why we come out here that's what we came out here and did and that's what the goal coming on the road getting a win and that's where what we're leaving with so once again it's coming from Kyler Murray 
he, you know, I wouldn't have won this game two years ago. Our team wouldn't have won this game two years ago, but we've all learned. We've been growing. We've been getting better weapons. We've been uh, figuring out our mistakes and correcting everything and just staying in the fight and never giving up and big plays, big plays, and they come back and win this game as well. Uh, one more quote here by Kyler Murray. Quote, I think the mental capacity of this team, the maturity of this team, we've been there. A lot of our young guys have stepped up. A lot of our young guys played a lot of reps and me as as well, not getting flustered, Coach Kingsbury not getting flustered, us just sticking to it and seeing it through to the end. Folks, this is exactly why we love this Cardinals team. Exactly, Kyler Murray is putting it into his own words here, but this is exactly what we're talking about. Exactly why we will probably keep this Cardinals team still at number two. Still can't put them over the Rams. Not going to put them over the Rams, but still, definitely top five, top three, absolutely. And we'll see if they can keep their number two spot come tomorrow. But absolutely loving it. And, you know, Kyler Murray talking about his young guys here. Rondell Moore last last week, rookie out there, getting them in field goal position right on the cusp of field goal position at the end of the first half. Rookie knowing all this game situational awareness and all that buying in. Man, oh, man, everybody's truly stepping up here for the Cardinals. Give this Cardinals team some credit, folks, some credit. I'm not going to be interested when the national media finally puts this Cardinals team in the top five of power rankings at week 10 and week 11. Be like, oh, you know, did you all know about this Cardinals team? Yeah, we Ben knew about this Cardinals team. We had Cardinals at number two in our power rankings from week one, folks. So I don't know what y'all want from us. <laughs> all righty, so the Cardinals get the win. 20, but, 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 31-19. Alrighty, next game up here is Washington at Buffalo, and uh, not a lot to talk about in this game. Well, a little bit to talk about, so let's, <laughs> so let's talk about it. But here we go, Josh Allen looking real solid out here. He went 32 of 43. 32 of 43, let's get that completion percentage up. 40, uh, 30, 32 of 43. 32 of 43, bingo, bingo. We're at 74% completion percentage finally. What did the first two weeks, he had like 50% uh, around there for the first two games. So finally, truly, truly Josh Allen getting back on track here a little bit at home. Put up 43 points, really dominant. We've been talking about the Bills leaving the door open the last two weeks, and they still left the door open a little bit here, but closed it quicker than what they did in the first two, or last week. They lost game one, unfortunately, didn't close the door. But Bills starting to get it figured out fantastic right here and Josh Allen coming alive so 32 of 43 358 passing yards four touchdowns uh nobody fumbled in this game absolutely fantastic no negative plays no turnovers by the Bills all fantastic so Josh Allen had a great game the running backs had real good, real good games as well. Zach Moss, 13 carries for 60 yards. Devin Singletary, 11 carries for 26 yards. And look at Mitch Trubisky getting into the game as well, rushing for 19 yards on four carries. He also threw a ball as well for one yard. Fantastic by old, good old Mitch. Josh Allen was playing so good, they could have used the backup. Alrighty, the receiving game here, and this was huge by the Bills. Great job by the wide receivers here. Cole Beasley, leading wide receiver here for the Bills. 11 uh, catches for 98 yards, but was even more impressive, Emmanuel Sanders getting open down the field, and this is why the Bills could be truly dangerous this season. If Josh Allen continues to progress like we hope he is and just saw last week, but having Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders um, on each side of the field and then Cole Beasley in the slot, 
It opens up a lot of things. And Emmanuel Sanders was getting consistently open here for the big down-the-field scores. And Josh Allen was putting it right on the money. So the connection between Josh Allen and Emmanuel Sanders, we needed to be great. And it was absolutely fantastic last uh, yesterday. Five receptions for Emmanuel Sanders for 94 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely well done. Stephon Diggs, six receptions for 62 yards. Uh, Dawson Knox, four receptions for 49 yards. Zach Moss, three receptions for 31 yards. And then Gabriel Davis, one reception for 23 yards. So Josh Allen spreading the ball around, going to his main targets. You got to love what Josh Allen uh, shown. Now let's just talk about quickly leaving the door open a little bit. First drive by the Bills, they go down, score a touchdown. Fantastic. Second drive, it's a turnover on downs, being a little aggressive here. Fourth and two at Washington's 35. Unfortunately, could not pick it up, but that's not on Josh Allen, and we're going to point that out on Wednesday's film study. It's just Devin Singletary being trash. Uh, he caught the ball like two yards short, and then he tried to like juke out a defender. You got to just power forward. So that's on Devin Singletary. Third drive, they go down and score a touchdown off of a fumble, making it 14 to nothing. And then they capitalize on an interception, making it 21 to nothing. But this is where they left the door open a crack here. So after going up 21 nothing, still in the first half, the Washington go down to score a touchdown, making it 21-7. They get another touchdown off of a uh, off the uh, p- uh, kickoff return, uh, flounder. They fumbled it. And uh, Washington gets possession at the Bills 24-yard line. They go down and score a touchdown. Now it's 21-14. And then the Bills being down 21-14, they go four and out, leaving the door open. But Washington doesn't do anything with it. Bills go down and score a field goal, making it 24-14. And another field goal right before half, making it 27-14. And then after halftime, they come out, score a touchdown, a field goal, making it 36-14, and the game is over. So they did leave the door open a, a little bit here, but they did close it quicker than they did last week against the Dolphins. So everything is seeming to shore up here for the Bills. A little bit of a rocky start, but it's the start of the season. So now we're starting to get into, you know, the first four games in a 16-game schedule. Uh, most kind of, you know, coaches and teams, they just kind of take take it in four-game uh, kind of increments, the first four games of the season, then the next four. Just kind of, you know, forget everything in the last in the. Last four games continuing and focusing here on this four-game stretch. So we're starting to get past the first quarter of the season here. And now we're starting to get Buffalo and Josh Allen getting everything underneath their, getting their footing underneath them. And they're looking to kind of be one of the top-tier teams in this league, which they kind of already are at this point uh, of the season. So well done by the Bills getting everything on point here. Alrighty, now let's talk about Washington and Taylor Heineke. I mean, competitive game a little bit here. They, you know, were starting to turn the tide. But when you're down 21 nothing, you have to be flawless for the rest of the game. And they just were not. So, Taylor Heineke goes 14 of 24. 14 of 24. Nothing great here. 58% completion percentage. He had 212 yards for only 14 completions, so he was slinging, slinging, slinging the ball around, which we do like. Uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions. The interceptions, like we said, not good. First interception, they are able to score a touchdown with. Uh, the second interception, they score a field goal. So 10 points off of his interceptions. And then we have some fumbles here, uh, one by Logan Thomas. And this really turned the tide of the game as well a little bit. Uh, Washington trying to kind of go down and score the ball here uh, after being down 7-0. Logan Thomas fumbles, and they make it 14-0. So Logan Thomas truly hurt this team, and then Taylor Heineke, unfortunately, his turnovers hurt the team even worse. 
All right, the uh, the running games here. Antonio Gibson, man oh man, 12 carries for 31 yards. Uh, you know, he got most of his yards on one play, and I was ready to kind of call Antonio Gibson an A1 tier one back. He's been kind of uh, – clawing at that kind of rank these last couple of games here, but just couldn't get it quite going here. Antonio Gibson, one reception for 73 yards and one touchdown as well. Leading receiver for the Washington football team. Great kind of back out of the backfield back here. And this is why uh, I'm not writing off Antonio Gibson. Uh, we need Taylor Heineke to kind of clean it up a little bit out here. And Washington died to clean it up overall offensively a little bit here. But uh, Antonio Gibson, he's knocking on the board, on the door to try to be an A1 Tier 1 running back in this league. And we'll keep track of him as these weeks progress. But watch out for Antonio Gibson. Um, I want to see this man do something special here. Unfortunately, locked up in the rushing game. He broke free in the passing game a little bit. Alrighty, J.D. McKissick, three carries for 23 yards. Uh, Terry McLaurin, four receptions for 62 yards. Logan Thomas, four receptions, 42 yards. He had a passing touchdown um, reception, but he also fumbled the ball early on. So, real bad performance by him. And then J.D. McKissick, two receptions for 15 yards. But this game was really not that competitive. Bills got out to a big stretch. Uh, Washington made it a game for a moment. And then the Bills shut the door in their face, unfortunately. So, uh, Washington's defense gave up 43 points. Unfortunate they had to deal with a lot of short fields off of turnovers, but those Bills, this Bills defense is the real deal, truly. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen will definitely make you pay on all of your turnovers and all that. So, well done by Josh Allen, seeming to get his feet underneath him this season, and the Bills should be rocking and roaring for from this point on. Alrighty, we got a couple more games to go over. Try to do it quickly. We are absolutely super late on the show today, but uh, the show must go on. We need to fit all this in for today's show. So next game up here is the Jets and the Broncos, and this one went exactly how we thought it would. We swallowed ten and a half points here for the Broncos, and the Jets don't put up any points. Exactly what we were thinking of. So not really too much to talk about here for the Jets and the Broncos. Jets can't move the ball at all. They can't put up any points. Like we said, six points over the last two games, and Dan. Campbell is out coaching Robert Sala. I understand Robert Sala is working with a rookie quarterback and um, uh, Dan Campbell has Jared Goff who's been to a Super Bowl so a little bit of an upgrade there but still at the same time you got to be competitive with whatever you have to work with uh, you know, especially since this is kind of your team you kind of assembled this team you had the part in assembling this team we have to start to see you be a little competitive out here not getting blown out 26 points and not putting up any points and not being good offensively. So let's start here with Teddy Bridgewater. Another good day by this man. He goes 19 of 25. No touchdown, no pick. And that's what we want to see by Teddy Bridgewater just a little bit more. Putting up the passing touchdowns just like Derek Carr. Everything's real good in their stat department. But in their wins and their touchdown passes, a little bit lackluster. So we still want to see Teddy Bridgewater throwing touchdown passes. But still, you know, doing what's needed here for the Broncos team. We're not going to knock. So Teddy Bridgewater goes 19 of 25. Very good, 76% completion percentage, 235 yards, fantastic. Just unfortunately, no touchdown, no interceptions. Running backs here for the Broncos, Melvin Gordon, 18 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. Javante Williams, 12 carries, 29 yards and a touchdown. And Teddy B getting in the running game as well, 4 carries, 24 yards. Yes, sir, flex on him a little bit, Teddy B, love it. 
All right, who was Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball to? Tim Patrick, five receptions for 98 yards. He had five targets as well. Cortland Sutton, five receptions on 37 yards, five targets as well. Javante Williams, three receptions, 33 yards. He had four targets. K.J. Hamler, one reception on 28 yards on three targets. Melvin Gordon, one reception, 21 yards on two targets. And Noah Fan, two receptions on 15 yards on three targets. So once again, Teddy Bridgewater actively spreading the ball around. We love it. Five targets, five targets, four targets, three targets, two targets, three targets, not just going to his A1 tier one weapon over and over and over and over and over again. That's what we know Teddy Bridgewater doesn't do. Fantastic. And once again, winning a game, great passing without Jerry Judy. Fantastic. Utilizing everybody else. That's why we love Teddy B. Just would like to see you kind of throw a couple of touchdowns. Just throw a couple. So everything is real solid here uh, by the Broncos. Javante Williams, unfortunately, did lose a fumble. But like we see in the in the final score, the Jets could not do anything with it. So they th uh, fumble the ball on uh, one of their drives in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, they fumble the ball on the Jets' one-yard line. Come on, can't be doing that. And then the Jets go four plays, negative eight yards, turnover on downs off of the fumble. So <laughs> how do you go negative eight yards? Jeez Louise. Um, yeah, so absolutely, <laughs> absolutely crazy. All right. So Jets are just so, so trash. We know this. Unfortunate. Zach Wilson. And this is, you want to talk about NFL conspiracies? This is one right here. They don't want any negativity on, <laughs> on Zach Wilson on their website. This is the second week in a row where Zach Wilson's passing sets are not brought up on NFL.com because they are so bad, folks. This is crazy. We've never seen this ever. We, we've been doing this show for a year. Uh, this is our second NFL season that we've been doing this, breaking down every single team, every single game, every single week, and we have never seen NFL.com leave off a quarterback's passing stats. We've never seen this, and they've done this two times in the last two weeks for Zach Wilson. They didn't want to show that four interception game from last week on their website. They're trying to actively protect Zach Wilson. So now we have to go to our mobile device to score mobile to get up Zach Wilson's stats folks we're gonna tell y'all y'all are not gonna keep us from talking about zach wilson stats folks come on nfl.com what are we doing so here we go this is what they were this is what they're trying to hide folks he went 19 of 35 19 of 35 54% completion percentage, absolutely garbage out there. 160 yards on 19 carries, dink and dunk, no passing touchdowns, a la zero points, and two interceptions. Let's see where these interceptions came. First interception thrown by Zach Wilson came in the fourth quarter, and unfortunately it results into a fumble by the Broncos. His second interception comes in the fourth quarter as well, and they result into a fourth quarter and drive for the Broncos. So I don't understand why they don't throw these inter show these interceptions. These aren't overall bad. I mean, you couldn't do anything the entire game. You threw interceptions at the end of the game. You're just trying to sling it around a little bit because you're down 26 nothing. So... The interceptions aren't bad there by Zach Wilson, but the dink and dunk and the bad completion percentage, that's what's real bad by the man. So, unfortunate, another unfortunate performance here by Zach Wilson. Their rookies, uh, their rookie running back, Michael Carter, nine uh, carries for 24 yards. Ty Johnson, three carries for 17 yards. So their running game can't even do anything. Uh, Zach Wilson, let's see who he was throwing to. Corey Davis, leading receiver. Obviously, he was targeted 10 times, most by a mile. The second leading targeted wide receiver was Elijah Moore, which I kind of like. 
Um, once again, no Jabez and Crowder. Truly unfortunate. But it's Corey Davis, five receptions for 41 yards. Keelan Cole, two receptions for 30 yards. Braxton Berrios, two receptions, 26 yards. Elijah Moore, three receptions, 22 yards. So Zach Wilson trying to go to his playmakers. Unfortunately, they're not making any plays out here. So another poor offensive outing here for the Jets. They put up six points last week, four interceptions. They put up zero points this week, two interceptions. Zach Wilson, got to get it figured out a little bit quicker out here. Uh, got to start being competitive. Obviously, you know, it's hard to win in this league. I get it, but we have to at least be competitive. And so far, Zach Wilson kind of gives us zero probability of winning any given Sunday. So, got to be competitive. Got to be a little consistent out here. And we'll see if Zach Wilson can continue to learn and grow. But Broncos get the big old win, 26-0. And that mile high air got to the, uh, got to the Jets a little bit out there. Alrighty, and then after the game, Broncos left, left tackle Gabber, Gar Garrett Ballos says, quote, quit doubting Teddy Bridgewater, man. And absolutely, we've been saying this. We just posted a screenshot on this tweet. We got six months ago. Title of this clip, stop disrespecting Teddy Bridgewater. 17 likes, five dislikes. Who's disliking Teddy Bridgewater? Y'all are looking like the clowns now, disliking us. What are you doing here? 830 views, something like, no big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, we know this man's the guy. His team's believing him. We just want to see him kind of pass the ball a little bit more for passing touchdowns but other than that everything's right here by Teddy B he's doing exactly what he needs to do uh, game managing quarterback out here not doing too much never doing too little just delivering the ball to his playmakers they're putting up the points they're moving the ball they're doing it all just want to see him get the credit for those passing touchdowns but a big win here for the Broncos that we saw coming Alrighty, next game up here is the Dolphins at the Raiders and man oh man man oh man this is why I don't like defensive minded head coaches I know there's exceptions to the rules Bill Belichick I get it folks but for the most part having a defensive minded head coach just leads to a real real bad offense because it's not prioritized the defensive minded head coach is going to prioritize the defense this is why our defense is so good this is why we've gone 25 straight games with a turnover how crazy Crazy, folks. That's the league uh, record. 25 straight games with a takeaway, folks. That is that spans an entire season, folks. Do you understand 25 games? 25 games straight, straight with the takeover because we have a defensive-minded head, defensive-minded head coach. Because we have great defensive players, but our offense is severely lacking. We have like two uh, play callers. We have like two offensive coordinators. They're like co-offensive coordinators that are splitting uh, play calling duties. What the hell is that? Obviously, that doesn't work. We threw a screen pass, a wide receiver screen pass in the end zone for a safety. The play calling is trash. It's ultra conservative. These receivers are not catching any balls. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's looking a little lackluster. It's not all him, but it's the offensive line giving us no protection. They didn't protect to us. So this entire Dolphins offense is absolutely Garbage. It's almost garbage, folks. It's almost literal garbage. And it took them, like, the entire first half when the defense was putting up all the pressure to finally move the ball offensively. It took you the entire game to figure out how to move the ball offensively. And then it kind of clicked a little bit. And then it was a little bit too late because we couldn't get it done in overtime. A little bit of conservative play calling on over in overtime as well when we were already down 3 nothing, And we kind of, you know, got a second chance at the game. And you still wanted to be a little conservative. Conservative, uh, but I give Jacoby Brissett a big kind of fourth, and it was like fourth and twenty 
big play right there. I give the man credit for that. But everything else, the coordinators here, the coaching staff offensively is just not what it needs to be. And I chalked that up a little bit with Brian Flores. I love Brian Flores. He's a great defensive coordinator, great defensive-minded coach. But I don't think he should be a head coach because the offense suffers because of it. And it's unfortunate. And there's only so much the defense could do. I mean, the defense was up 14-0. Great job by the defense here by the Dolphins. A pick six. Uh, they forced a turnover on downs. Short field for the Dolphins. And they take advantage. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the defense can only try and do to can do too much and at some point the offense needs to take over and last night it was a little bit too little too late for this Dolphins offense so Dolphins offense man it needs to get a lot to better the offensive line the running game these play calling I mean the offensive coordinators I don't know what the hell is going on here in Miami uh, but uh, Brian Flores is not making it a priority and we see that week in and week out with the Miami Dolphins uh, let's start here with the Raiders. A close game here. They got down not to a great start. Derek Carr throws a pick six. Turnover on downs. They get down 14-0. And then the safety happens. They build a little momentum. They get a field goal. They start to climb back a little bit. And they make it a 14-12 game going into halftime. And then after halftime, first drive, touchdown. Second drive, touchdown. Making it 25-14. And then the Dolphins start to come back a little bit in the fourth quarter. But overall, Derek Carr just stayed cool, calm, collective. <clears throat> Another overtime win here for Derek Carr. Uh, a field goal drive in the first drive of overtime to get the lead. And then another field goal to actually end the game. So solid work here by Derek Carr, stay, staying cool as a cucumber. We saw that in week one in the overtime win against the Ravens. And they're coming away 3-0 here. So I'm not getting big on this Raiders team. I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh my God, this is the Raiders team! Like this is they are finally here after the like lackluster the thir first three years under John Gruden." But I, I'm not giving this Raiders team so much credit right right quick. We've seen them be good in the first half of the season. They're barely winning these games in overtime. It's still good, and they're winning close games, and they're finding out ways to win. So I do like that about the Raiders. But we've seen this Raiders team last season: good start of the first half, back end, you know, floundered in the back end of the season. We saw that also two years ago same scenario so I don't know why everybody's getting big on this Raiders team now it's like this is not this is not the time to get big on the Raiders team we have to kind of wait till like it wakes eight nine and ten if they're still performing very well obviously a win's a win and we're going to credit the Raiders for this win but let's not go above and beyond on this Raiders team everybody else on the national media is really starting to take a hold that this Raiders team is one of the top teams in this league I think we're going to take it a little bit slower with them but let's talk about this Raiders team. Here we go. Derek Carr goes 26 of 43. That doesn't sound like a good completion percentage, but let's see what we get here. 26 of 43, we get uh, 60%. Really not the greatest there, but he did sling the ball around 386 yards. Absolutely love that. Two touchdowns. The interception, not great. The interception, like we said, the pick six. I believe it came in the red zone as well. Uh, yeah, he threw it on the Miami Dolphins 21-yard line. Cannot be making that mistake. And that was on Derek Carr, a little frantic throwing, rolling out of the pocket, and then just missing firing. That was on Derek Carr. All right, the running game here for the Raiders, it's good, though. It's still good without Josh Jacobs. It's not Kenyon Drake, which I'm a little disappointed in, but Peyton Barber's getting the job done. 23 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. Absolutely great. Kenyon Drake only 8 carries, 24 yards. So they're more using Kenyon Drake in the uh, passing game than in the running game, and that's fine because Peyton Barber's getting it done.
All right, let's see who Derek Carr was throwing to. Brian Edwards, three receptions for 89 yards. Henry Ruggs, four receptions for 78 yards. Hunter Renfro, five carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. Darren Waller, five receptions, 54 yards. Kenyon Drake, three receptions, 33 yards. Peyton Barber, three receptions, 31 yards. Zay Jones, one reception, 15 yards. So once again, Derek Carr utilizing all of his weapons. We love it. Airing out the ball down the field, a lot of yards. Fantastic. They put up 31 points. So, well done by the Raiders. Uh, slow start, great middle, a little bit of a slow ending, but then they get it done in overtime. Last one to touch the ball, they get it done. So, well done by the Raiders to take advantage and to, uh, you know, just always stay in the game, not getting down not getting down on themselves, down 14 nothing, not getting up on themselves, uh, too much up on themselves when they were up at 25-17. to And then in overtime, you know, scoring off, scoring a field goal on the first drive. Good job by the Raiders defense to hold the Dolphins to a field goal. And then Derek Carr goes back on his bullshit, drives 73 yards to ice the game. So good clutch ability here by the Raiders, good offense ability here by the Raiders, and they get the win. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Dolphins, and Jacoby Brissett is trying his damnedest out here. Um, I, I'm not the biggest Jacoby Brissett believer, but the man was making plays when he needed to make plays, and it was like, we almost got another kind of Miami miracle in Las Vegas like we did last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, airing out the ball and then getting the face mac on the same drive. I mean, it was kind of gearing up for Jacoby Brissett to have his own kind of moment here in Las Vegas, so I give Jacoby Brissett so much credit. It's on this coaching staff and the offensive line. They've got to be a ton better here for Miami. But here we go, Jacoby Brissett, 32 of 49, 65% completion percentage, not terrible, 215 yards on 32 completions, a little bit of dink and dunk, but he was kind of airing it out a little bit when he needed to in the fourth quarter in overtime. The running game here for the Dolphins, Miles Gaskin, 13 carries for 65 yards, Malcolm Brown, 7 carries for 31 yards and a touchdown, and then Jacoby Brissett taking off 7 times for 37 yards and a touchdown as well. The clutch touchdown, and I believe uh, he clutched it up on the 2-point conversion as well. He ran it for the touchdown, 2-point two co two conversion goes to, who was it? It was great. Um, let's see. Two-point conversion going to Will Fuller. So his first game back and making a huge kind of uh, contribution here for Miami. So really in the fourth quarter, we were getting it going, but why did it take so long for the Dolphins' offense to finally click? I mean, we're three games in, and it took you all to the end of game three to finally click. Now, if we can build off of that, that's fantastic because this defense is really, really good, and we could get two back in a couple of games here, but we need this offense to figure it out, and hopefully the Dolphins' offensive coordinators can do that. All right, let's see who Jacoby Brissett was going to, throwing to. Here we go. Mike Kosicki, the tight end, the leading receiver, 10 receptions for 86 yards. Then we had Jalen Waddle, 12 receptions for 58 yards. Devontae Parker, four receptions for 42 yards. He made up, uh, he had some big catches, but once again, some big drops as well, and we just saw that last week. So Devontae Parker, if he could just be consistent out here, and that's what's so frustrating about him. He shows glimpses of being a true number one receiver in this league, but he's too inconsistent. Consistent to be considered tier one in this league. Truly unfortunate. Will Fuller, three catches, 20 yards. Had the big two-point conversion first game back. Good kind of first footing here for Will Fuller. But uh, Dolphins end up losing in overtime, unfortunately. Well done by the Raiders, winning 31-28. Derek Carr getting it done in the clutch. Alrighty, two more games to go, or three more games to go over. Let's try to go over these a little quickly out here. Here we go. Vikings at uh, Vikings and Seahawks. Seahawks at Vikings. Vikings win 30 to 17. And man, oh man, once again, this Vikings team 
they just they just win, folks. And Kirk Cousins looks good, and he always looks good, but it never really results into any meaningful wins. But they finally got their first one of the season last night. And once again, the Seahawks team, little questionable on them. Their new offensive coordinator, they get out to hot starts. They put up 17 points in the first half and then shut out the second half, couldn't win the game. We saw the Seahawks offense floundered last season. They were good the first stretch of the game, the first eight weeks, back end eight weeks, they floundered. And we're kind of seeing the same thing here, but now in a game scale. Last week against the Titans, they were out to a hot start and then floundered in the back end. Same thing here this week, 17 points in the first half, no points in the second half, and they lose the game because of that. So something is getting stagnant here by the Seahawks offense, and what the hell is the deal with that? So big, big concern here for the Seahawks here, their offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, Russell Wilson, what is happening? Because we're seeing it. Um, two straight years here. So this is not a good sign for the Seahawks, but well done for the Vikings getting a win here. So let's start here with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins throws 30 of 38. Once again, good here. 30 of 38. 78% completion percentage, 323 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I don't think he even fumbled. I don't think that we had any turnovers here. He did fumble once, but didn't lose it. So not terrible there. Something that we do know a little bit. He does turn over the ball at not the perfect time. But an overall good performance throwing the ball. The rushing game, I mean, no Delvin Cook, no problem. How crazy is that? Alexander Madison steps up absolutely fantastically. 26 carries, 112 yards. And then we have Amir Adula. Five receptions or five carries for 24 yards. So the passing game was great. The running game without Delvin Cook was fantastic. Kirk Cousins, let's see who he was throwing to. Justin Jefferson, nine receptions for 118 yards, one touchdown. Nobody can lock him up. Tyler Conklin, seven receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown. Alexander Madison, the running back, getting into the passing game as well. Six receptions for 59 yards, fantastic. And then we have Adam Thielen, six receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. So, man, oh, man, everybody was getting in into the uh, receiving party here for the Vikings, and they are able to score and score throughout the game, and they win the game because of that. So they put up a solid showing. They only put up nine points in the second half. It's like, that's why the Seahawks could have won this game. This is why this Vikings performance, you know, could have led to another loss here. Even though Kirk Cousins played well, the Seahawks can't put up nine points in the second half to kind of keep up pace, scoring with the Vikings to kind of, you know, get a kind of final drive to win the game or tie the game or whatever the situation would be. So... This is what we're saying. Like, we can't buy into this Vikings team 100%. It's still nothing great. And when we look at just what Kirk Cousins does, his stats are always great. And he always has great stats and all that. But look at these win totals. 9-7, and 8-7-1, seven, 7-9, seven and 8-7-1, seven and 10-5. and one, ten and five, That's a great season. 7-9, and nine, and then just this season, 1-3. and three. So it's just like, I don't understand what the hell Kirk Cousins is. I don't understand what the hell this Vikings team is. It doesn't matter if they play well, they lose. If they play great, they lose. If they play great, they win. It's like, what? 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 What is the difference? What's the key here for winning for the Vikings? We don't even know. It just seems luck. It's like if the other team just flounders for a reason, then the Vikings win. It doesn't matter what the Vikings do. It just matters, it just matters what the opponent does. If the opponent doesn't score, then the Vikings win. They don't stop the opponents from scoring. The opponents just stop themselves. It's just like, what is going on with this Vikings team? So, three weeks into the season, 
And we still don't know what the hell the Vikings are, folks. And we didn't even know what the hell the Vikings were last season. And we didn't know what the hell the Vikings were in this offseason. So the Vikings are just the Vikings. They win, they lose. It doesn't matter what the performance looks like. They either win or lose. It just It's a coin flip, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so... I won't get big on this Vikings team. I will get big on Alexander Madison, though. Very well done. Next man up mentality, and you absolutely hit the ball out of the park. Very well done. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Seahawks. I mean, first drive touchdown, fantastic. Second drive field goal, third drive touchdown, making it 17-7. Fourth drive missed field goal, but they still got in position. 44-yard field goal should have been good, should have been tied at that point. Uh, but then they just, uh, you know, go into halftime down 21-17, to unfortunately. First drive out of halftime, punt. Uh, second drive out of halftime, punt. Third drive out of halftime, turnover on downs because now at this point you have to try and do something and they can't pick it up. What do we got here? Fourth and 12 at Minnesota's 43-yard line, and then the game is over at that point. So it's just the Seahawks couldn't score in the second half. Unfortunate. So here we go. Russell Wilson goes 23 of 32. Let's see what that is all about. 23 of 32, we get 71% completion percentage, 298 yards, one touchdown, no pick. Seems to be like a good game. They didn't fumble. They didn't turn over the ball. Seems like it should have been a solid win or as, at least not a 13-point kind of blowout. Um, so it's just real interesting here. We'll probably try to focus in on what went wrong for the Seahawks in our Wednesday film study. Chris Carson, 12 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. Once again, Chris Carson is doing his thing. The running backs here for the Seahawks is not the question here. Let's see who Russell Wilson was throwing the ball to. DK Metcalf, six receptions, 107 yards, one touchdown. Gerald Everett, five receptions, 54 yards. Travis uh, Homer. Travis Homer, three receptions, 48 yards. Will Disley, one reception, 39 yards. Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 31 yards. So it's just something didn't click in that second half. And the Vikings, they put up nine points, and uh, they were able to get the win. So Vikings get the win, 30-17. to 17. Is it a good win? It's a good win. Will it continue? We don't know. We just don't know. If you're a Vikings fan, please tell me. Because I, I, I know every team besides this Vikings team. I just don't get it. Do y'all get it? Do y'all actively watch this game? Diehard Vikings fan, watch this game every week. And you're like, do y'all do y'all have an answer? Because Kirk Cousins looks good, but his record is like 50-50-ish. What's Kirk Cousins' career record? 52-53-2. I mean, why? 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 His com career stats are 67% completion percentage, 29,000 yards, 198 touchdowns, 84 interceptions. These are potential like GOAT level stats if he plays for 20 years straight. But the wins, the wins, 52-53-2. and 53 and two. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that's why I hate this Vikings team. Just, I just don't get them. I don't get them. Here I am admitting I don't get the Vikings. And if you can tell me about the Vikings, please, I will listen. Because I just don't get it. What is it? Oh, man, every Sunday, I just don't get it. So, Vikings get the win. We don't know why. We don't know how. They just win. They just win sometimes. They win. They lose. They win. They lose. They lose. They win. They lose. They lose. They win. They win. They win. They win. They win. They lose. They lose. They lose. They lose. They win. They win. I don't get it, folks. 50-50 Kirk. That's it. That's it. 
All right, this is it right here. This is what we're talking about. What the hell are the Vikings, folks? Kirk Cousins is the sixth player over the last 25 years. Over the last 25 years. You all know who we've seen over the last 25 years. Some good-ass names. Kirk Cousins is the sixth player over the last 25 years with 70% completion percentage, 8 plus passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions in the team's first three games of the seasons. The other quarterbacks that have done that, maybe you've heard of them, Patty Mahomes, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning. He's in that discussion. He got any rings? He got any meaningful wins? He got any deep playoff runs? No. <laughs> no. I don't get them. I don't get them. I don't Get them, folks. I just don't get them. They're nothing. They're the biggest anomaly in sports. Kirk Cousins. All right, final two games to go over. Let's try to get through these quickly. We got to get out of here, folks. Jeez. Uh, but here we go. Bucks at Rams, and we called this one right. We put our money on the line. We put our reputation on the line. We had the Rams plus one and a half in this game, and they win by 10. No problem. We have the Rams as the best team in the league heading into this game, and we put our money where our mouth is, and bingo, bango. It cashes out because we know what we're talking about, folks. We're not the mainstream media that just latches on to the best team or the best kind of narrative driven team or the the team that just drives up the most attention and the most views and the most clicks and the most s and that or whatever it is we see what we see we break it down and we have this rams team being the best team in the league they're 3-0 and they just beat the bucks fantastic i mean vegas even thought the bucks would win this game how crazy the bucks were minus one and a half points on the road how disrespectful is that folks so well done with the rams we've been telling y'all about matthew stafford and sean McVay. The genius offense here. They were very conservative in the first quarter, not wanting to lose the game. First drive, three and out. Second drive, five plays, 11 yards. But then they go on the touchdown drive, and then another touchdown drive, and then another touchdown drive, three straight, make it four straight touchdown drives. And then the fifth drive is a field goal, and then the next drive is a field goal, and then they have to finally punt, and then it's the end of the game. So once they got clicking, it never stopped. A little bit of a slow start where Tom Brady could have taken advantage, but he didn't, and a little bit of a slow start here by the Rams, but once it got going, it, it took off, and the Bucks could not keep up. So the genius offensive play calling, we know Sean McVay is a genius uh, head coach, offensive guru, and now nobody wanted to give him credit because he got Matthew Stafford a huge, a, a huge um, increase at the quarterback position over Jared Goff I mean what are we talking about here so I don't know why everybody's not talking about this Rams but we've been talking about them we've been loving them uh, we call them our Super Bowl winners uh, but here we go Matthew Stafford 27 of 38 71% completion percentage 343 yards four touchdowns no picks uh, we had one fumble by Tyler uh, Tyler Higby but he didn't lose it so no turnovers here by the Rams, fantastic, clean, flawless game. And like we said, once the train left the station, it just hurtled down the tracks and running over everybody in its way. Alrighty, no running back uh, Daryl Henderson here for this Rams team. And they... No problem. Sony Michelle fits right in. We believed in him. We knew he could do it. 20 carries for 67 yards. They didn't abandon the run game because they didn't. And so, I mean, just everybody needs to take a page out of this Rams overall playbook you don't need Big Ben throwing the ball 58 times you can run the ball here and pass the ball and look good and put up points and win the game I mean 
do what the Rams do. 38 passes, 20 carries, 20 rushes. Maybe even give it a little bit more rushes, a little bit more carries. But this Rams team, they know how to scheme and they know how to get it done. And how great was this? Deshaun Jackson, he never left, folks. I mean, this man is like the ageless wonder. This man's got speed on top of speed on top of speed. And it doesn't matter how old he is, the speed is always here. Because Deshaun Jackson just had three receptions for 120 yards and a touchdown. If you're doing the quick math there, that's 40 yards of completion. I mean, sheesh. The man is getting behind the, def the defense, folks, taking the top off. So you have Deshaun Jackson, the speed there. You've got Cooper Cup, who, I mean, is just the best weapon here for Matthew Stafford. They get each other. They're always open. Um, 12 targets for Cooper Cup. Nine completions for 96 yards and two touchdowns. Nobody can shut down Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford is loving him. And then you have to worry about Deshaun Jackson behind you as well. So, man, oh, man. And then they've got Vaughn Jefferson. Four receptions, 42 yards. And then you've got the tight end Tyler Higby. The monstrosity 6'6 tight end out here. Five receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown for him. And then you got Robert Woods. Another solid tier two wide receiver. Three Reception, 33 yards. So, man, oh, man, the offense is clicking right from the get-go, right from the rip. 3-0, beating great teams, looking good, passing the ball. Matthew Stafford looking exactly like we all know Matthew Stafford could have looked if he had a great coach and a great scheme around him his entire career, and he's absolutely balling. Give credit to this Rams team, and now we have to sit back in our chair with our arms behind our head and just watch all the other mainstream NFL talk personalities kind of say, oh, this Rams team is good, and finally put them number one in the power rankings now that they just beat the Bucks head-to-head, -head, and the Chiefs just lost to the Chargers, and now two or one and two, and Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions, not great, not clutching it up like he usually does, and we just have to sit back and watch him, watch him say everything that we've said for the last two weeks. And y'all still don't give us our credit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about y'all sometimes. Sometimes I know about y'all, but other times I just don't know about y'all sometimes. Uh, so, Rams, no surprise to us. We knew they would win this game. We bet it. We took it. We hit it. We cashed it. And uh, maybe we get a little bit of a mid-season canvas up here of uh, Matthew Stafford and uh, Sean McVay with some giant heads because there's some big brains under there, those noggins. So well done by the Rams. Now the Bucks. Tom Brady slung the ball around 55 times and he couldn't win. They abandoned the running game. Really didn't run the ball. Tom Brady was the leading rusher. What does that tell you? That's nothing great. But yeah, Tom Brady trying to sling the ball uh, past this Rams team, but he can't do that. He throws the ball 41 of 55. Good completion percentage, 74% on 55 throws for 432 yards. I mean, Tom Brady was truly slinging it. One touchdown, no interceptions, real solid. Probably should have a little bit more touchdowns there uh, passing since you did throw the ball 55 times at 432 yards so Tom Brady looked good he just kind of kind of you know convert and put up the scores and put up the points like Matthew Stafford did so unfortunate there this Bucks team is still good we're not calling this Bucks team not good folks this is still a good team they're just not the best team in the league Tom Brady leading rusher, three carries, 14 yards. He did score the touchdown. Uh, Ronald Jones only five carries for 11 yards. Leonard Fournette four carries for eight yards nothing great there I see who Tom Brady was slinging the ball to because no Antonio Brown. Uh, and I don't want to hear that in, as an excuse. I mean, he still had 74% completion percentage for 432 yards. I mean, Antonio Brown, I don't know if he has that much of an impact in this game. Um, so here we go. Mike Evans, leading receiver, eight carries, eight catches for 106 yards. Chris Godwin, six receptions, 74 yards. Tyler Johnson, three receptions, 63 yards. Rob Gronkowski, four receptions, 55 yards. <gasps> 
Giovanni Bernard, nine receptions, 51 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Bray, four receptions, 35 yards. Leonard Fournette, three receptions, 26 yards. O.J. Howard, one reception, 11 yards. I mean, folks, he was splitting everything around, going to everybody. I mean, look at all these targets. Ten targets for Mike Evans, seven targets for Chris Godwin, six targets for Tyler Johnson, seven carries for Robert Gronkowski, ten, carries, ten targets for Giovanni Bernard, five targets for Cameron Bray. So uh, three, car uh, three targets for Leonard Fournette, one target for Leonard uh, O.J. Howard, O.J. Howard, three targets for Scotty Miller. So tight ends, A1 tier one wide receivers, running backs out of the backfield. It doesn't matter. Tom Brady would use, was utilizing everybody. It just didn't result into the points, the touchdowns, and they end up losing the game. So, great game, a classic, and uh, Matthew Stafford gets the best of Tom Brady. They win by 10, and we'll see how both these teams progress as the season moves forward, but this Rams team's a real deal, folks. Alrighty, we finally made it the last game of the night, folks. Another great game to end the night. These primetime games, baby, have been absolutely great this season. The NFL is truly putting out a great product on the field for us fans, and I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, so here we go. Packers at 49ers. Packers end up winning this game. And I, I don't want to start with this, but I'm going to start with this. It's like whenever Aaron Rodgers loses, it's like, you know, he has this attitude of, hey, I don't even need it. I even I think I heard um, I, I want to say it was Colin Coward. It may have been somebody else, but I think it was Colin Coward, Coward that was just said, you know, the, the, the body language that Aaron Rodgers plays with, it's like, hey, I don't need this. Hey, I don't need this. When I lose, he's at the podium. He's a head down, little blah, 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 blah. But when he's winning, you know, he quote tweets his uh, reaction to the game-winning field goal. And then we hear, I'm sure you've heard the soundbite after the game of how can you not, it was, a, it was a little weird. It was like, how can you not romanticize football, right? It's like, oh. Okay, weirdo. A little bit uh, too too many feelings on that one. I get it, folks. I get it. Uh, but, you know, when Aaron Rodgers win, it's all like, oh, you know, I love this. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Uh, this is what I do. But it's like, it's just once again, I don't uh, – Aaron Rodgers gets every single free pass in the media. Why? He's the only athlete that gets a free pass on literally everything he does. People that are better than him and have won more than him never get – Anywhere close to the free. Could you imagine if Tom Brady and, Lamar and LeBron James got as many free passes as y'all give Aaron Rodgers? I mean, folks, it would be crazy if y'all did that. So I just don't get y'all obsession with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he's great, and I love watching him, and I love all of the comebacks and everything that he's done in this league, but... What are y'all giving this man every free pass opportunity for? I don't get it. When he loses, it's not his fault, and he's always clutch, and it's the play calling, and it's the receivers, and it's the coaches never believing in him, and not doing what they want to do, and then when he wins, it's all him, and you know, he loves the game, and he proves he loves the game, see, he loves the game right here, he says, hey, how can you not romanticize football, how can you not be in love with football, and then he quotes tweet his celebration, says, hey, I love football, y'all said my heart wasn't in it, and my heart's always been in it, but when you throw two interceptions in a game, back to back, and then you quit for the entire game, and then you're at the podium and being like hey you know uh, but, but but I can you know I'm hosting Jeopardy and I want to host Jeopardy and you know I'm golfing and you know hey you know we're just gonna try and get back at it and uh, you know just kind of real heart not in it you know having everybody in the media question his heart in it 
And then, you know, he goes down and wins the game, and then everybody forgets about it. And then we'll see this Aaron Rodgers not giving a crap attitude maybe four or five weeks down the line when he throws another interception or two in a game and then just kind of says, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to protect my legacy. I'm not going to throw the ball no more. I'm done. I'm done. Hey, I'm done. I'm done. I'm the quarterback. I say when it's done, and I'm done. Y'all good? Because I'm done. So I just don't get it with y'all. Uh, but let's digress and go back to the game. Aaron Rodgers, he gets the win, uh, puts them in position to win with a game-winning field goal. Very well done. Uh, I believe he had a real big throw here, 25-yard pass, 17-yard pass, going to you know his big player. So, once again, we're not saying Aaron Rodgers is trash, folks. I'm just saying, why all the free passes? Uh, but let's see what he was doing last night. So, he threw 23 of 33 for 69% completion percentage. Fantastic. 261 yards. Fantastic. Two touchdowns. Fantastic. No picks. Fantastic. Uh, no fumbles. Fantastic. No turnovers there by the Packers. A clean game. And they win by two. Fantastic. Aaron Jones, real solid rushing performance. 19 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. And then we have A.J. Dillon, uh, six carries for 18 yards as well. Big uh, throws to Devontae Adams, leading receiver here for the Packers, and a big scary sign. We're going to talk about that in a second. He's all right. He came back in the game, but there was a second. I thought that man was going to die, and I really thought that, and we're going to talk about it in a second. But uh, Devontae Adams, 12 receptions for 132 yards and a touchdown. Big clutch catches throughout this entire game. Very well done. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three receptions for 59 yards and a touchdown. Alan Lazard, one catch for 42 yards. Aaron Jones, two catches for 14 yards. So uh, De um, Aaron Rodgers is kind of focusing on Devontae Adams, and I've got no problem with that. When you've got great weapons, utilize those weapons. I tell Zach Wilson, use Corey Davis over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, luckily, for Devante, luckily for the Packers, Devonte Adams can get open whenever he wants, and Corey Davis is having a little bit of trouble doing that. Uh, but well done for Aaron Rodgers finding his target over and over and over again and getting it done. Fantastic. Alrighty, now the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, 25 of 40. 25 of 40. Let's get that completion up. We got uh, 50, oh, 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 I got 0.05%. That was wrong. <laughs> Could you imagine 0.05% completion percentage? That would be, pfft, you'd have to get instantly cut in blackmail or blackballed from the league. Uh, but he could throw 25 of 40 for a 62% completion percentage on the low end. 257 yards, not bad there. Two touchdowns, the pick. He had a fumble as well. The interception came in the second quarter when they were already down 10-0. Really couldn't afford to do that. Uh, luckily for the 49ers, the Green Bay Packers go turnover on downs. Aaron Rodgers passing complete on fourth and one from the 49ers three-yard line. I don't mind the aggressiveness there, but I probably would have taken the points just because it, it was off of a turnover. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers winding to go for it in the red zone. Once again, kind of Aaron Rodgers holding his team hostage a little bit. Could you imagine, you know, uh, you know Aaron Rodgers... They end up kicking a field goal um, on that, and somehow they lose or something by a couple of points or whatever it was. And then Aaron Rodgers was like, hey, you know, I wanted to go for it on the goal line, but my coaches, again, they pull me out. They don't give me that opportunity on fourth down in the goal line. When have we seen that before? Bop, bop, bop. So once again, Aaron Rodgers may be holding this team a little bit of hostage still, a little bit of tiptoeing around Aaron Rodgers still. Got to make him happy so he comes back next season. Uh, but Jimmy G's interception goes uh, without a, any point score, so that's good. But this is the big one right here, the fumble in the fourth quarter. This was big time bad right here because the Packers go down and make a field goal, and now they turn a three-point game into a six-point game. 
the 49ers go and score a touchdown, which makes it a 28 to 27 point lead instead of a 28 to 24 point lead. So they only have a one point lead and instead of a four point lead, which in turn makes Aaron Rodgers only need a field goal to win instead of a touchdown. And with 37 seconds left, we say it all the time. That's too much time given to Aaron Rodgers. Too much time given to Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and mostly Tom Brady. They will always make you pay for that. You literally have to run zeros on the clock and you leave 37 seconds left. Aaron Rodgers does his thing. I think they only had one timeout too. So once again, Aaron Rodgers just doing his thing. And that's exactly why he's so gosh damn great, folks, because of these things. These last second drives, these game winning drives. I think he may have the most game game winning drives. I would say just kind of without knowing the stat, I would say that Aaron Rodgers has more game winning drives in his career than Tom Brady does. Maybe Tom Brady does just because he has more games played because of all the more playoff games. But I would say that Aaron Rodgers has more like less than one minute left game winning drives, minute 30 second left game winning drives than Tom Brady does. Uh, but back to the 49ers here. Jimmy Garoppolo not being clutch, unfortunately, but still being good. Um, so I don't think you go with Trey Lance, just definitely given the state of quarterback play by the rookies this season. I still think you go with Jimmy Garoppolo, but some 49ers fans are calling for Jimmy Garoppolo's head. So we'll see how they navigate uh, using Trey Lance. Trey Lance got out there, I believe, a couple of times. Did he not throw the ball? Did he not run the ball? Why does... uh? Trey Lance got no stats here on NFL.com. I could have sworn I saw Trey Lance last night. Am I bugging? Let me go to uh, Score Mobile. Maybe they just forgot to put up his stats like they forgot to put up Zach Wilson's stats. Uh, did we get any Trey Lance last night? No. Oh, yeah, Trey Lance. He rushed the ball once. Yeah, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't miss him. He had one rush for one yard. Yeah, I, I and a touchdown. So, where, where, they don't got Trey Lance in the rushing game. Why don't y'all got this man in the stack column? Kind of weird. But, yeah, Trey Lance did get in the action last night. So, interesting there. Uh, but here we go. Leading rushers here for the 49ers. Trey Sermon, 10 carries, 31 yards, one touchdown. Running game was nothing great. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, five, uh, five carries for 14 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to George Kittle, leading wide receiver here for the 49ers. Seven receptions for 92 yards. Debo Samuel, five receptions for 52 yards. Kyle Juszczyk, four receptions for 37 yards. Isn't that their fullback that they love over there? One reception or one touchdown for that man. Brandon Ayuk, four receptions, 37 yards and a touchdown. And then Mohamed Sanu, three receptions, 36 yards. But yeah, that fumble truly killed him at the end. Just got to play clean football against Aaron Rodgers. He usually kind of, you know, makes you pay for your turnovers. And uh, he did enough here to win the game. So. Packers get the win 30-28. to 28. Aaron Rodgers doing his thing, exactly what he does. And I don't think we fall off of the 49ers. We still think this is a real solid game. He went toe-to-toe with this Green Bay team. Just unfortunate that turnover by Jimmy G kind of caused it. And then the defense gave up, you know, big throws to Aaron Rodgers, which is, you know, kind of exactly what happens when you face Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think there's any cause for concern. I still think I rock with Jimmy G next week and kind of for the rest of the season, um, unless he just truly starts to kind of flounder from this point on. But I don't think he does. He was still serviceable. Definitely could have been a lot better, but still only lost by two to Aaron Rodgers. That's not bad. That's real serviceable. That's real solid. It's competitive. I don't think I go to Trey Lance just quite yet. All right, and then after the game, George Kittle. Not even after the game. George Kittle shouting out tight end university when, you know, they do the player introductions of where they go to college and what their name is. And George Kittle repping the tight end university, baby. That's what we're all about here. Um, you know, we love what George Kittle does. He was a leading receiver last night for the 
49ers. So we know he does his thing. Shouting out to Tight End University. Uh, and, you know, we're we're holding it down for you, George Kittle. We're holding Tight End University down. We have our weekly Tight End University segment every Tuesday, grading the tight ends, giving them actual grades to give them the honors of the 2021 Summa Cum Laude Tight End University for the graduation of whoever, whichever tight end plays the best for the entire season. So we're holding it down here, representing Tight End University, and George Kittle's getting it done on the field. And then this is on Devontae Adams. I mean, that hit, we're not going to show it here, but man, oh man, that hit was big. And that camera work, I mean, it was great because I think we should be seeing this. I mean, if you don't want to look, then don't look. But I don't think that we shouldn't be showing it if it is filmable. Uh, so the cameraman um, instantly go to Devontae Adams on a headshot. I mean, after, I mean, I, great camera work. It was great camera work. I mean, I want to see it. I want to see what it is. Um, you know, like I said, if you don't want to see the hit, if you don't want to see that, then just look away. But some people want to see that. I mean, I want to see all the information. And when Devontae Adams took that hit and then the camera panned to his face, he was laying like this, his helmet a little discharged because it was a big old hit. And it looked like he was kind of gasping, folks. Like I like like when I saw it, I was like I compared it instantly to like a kind of a fish floundering like on the side, like uh, on like out of water where it's just kind of, it's not flopping around. It's just kind of, you kind of see its gills trying to kind of go in and out, trying to absorb some oxygen. There's no water to be had. That's kind of what Devonta Adams looked like. And I was real concerned folks. I was like, this is big bad. I really was kind of thinking to myself, the cameraman should really kind of pan off of this. Cause I think this man may end up being real big, bad injured. Uh, but yeah, he was just kind of gasping. It looked like he was gasping there, like he couldn't breathe and he wasn't moving. I was like, damn, this could be big bad. But he got up and came in the very next play and then basically won him the game. So on the vicious hit he took, Devontae Adams says he was having trouble breathing more than anything. And that's exactly what we saw on there. Once again, we know what we're talking about. We know how to look at things, folks. We we trust our eyes. <laughs> this is why we do the show every day. Uh, but yeah, Devontae Adams says he was having trouble breathing more than anything. It was more of a chest thing, not a concussion. Reporter asked how you were able to come back in the game after just one play. And Devontae Adams says, because I'm different. And absolutely, absolutely. Devontae Adams, warrior, strong, lays it out on the line, sacrifices body. Once again, one trillion percent credit to, to Devontae Adams. Took the hit. Leading wide receiver over and over and over again. Made the big catches when he needed to. And then, man, oh, man, that big old hit could have, you know, I wouldn't have blamed Devontae Adams for not coming back in the game. But then the very next play, the man is in it and ready to rock and still continue to play. So, man, oh, man, a true warrior, true respect goes out to Devontae Adams. Absolutely fantastic. Like, I don't even know what to call this. Uh, it's it's warrior ask, folks. It's a true warrior, true competitor spirit. When we talk about Tim Tebow having the competitive spirit and the competitive nature, take a hit like this. I want to see if Tim Tebow gets up and gets it back in the game the very next play because this is what warriors and competitors are truly made out of. So for Devonta Adams, we tip the cap. We bow down. We may even give you a canvas spot just because of that. Absolutely fantastic by Devonta Adams last night. Alrighty, folks, that is going to do it for us today. Absolutely went long today, but we had to kind of get our groundwork thinking to set up the rest of the week. So we're going to get out of here for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, doing our Tuesday show, uh, updating our power rankings, uh, fame and shame list. Uh, tight end university grades and isn't there one more thing oh break down the thursday night game uh we'll take the cowboys minus three and a half uh so <laughs> we're out of here for today folks thanks for tuning in thanks for watching 